Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. The Monterey International Pop Music Festival was a three-day music event held in California during the Summer of Love in 1967. The brainchild of the Mamas and the Papas, it was designed to showcase new music that was coming out in the late 60s and show that rock and roll was here to stay as an art form. Up to an estimated 200,000 people saw the 31 acts who performed at Monterey. This is where the U.S. got introduced to Janis Joplin, Otis Redding, Jimi Hendrix, and The Who. It also featured performances by The Grateful Dead, The Birds, Buffalo Springfield, The Mamas and the Papas, Ravi Shankar. Jefferson Airplane, the Steve Miller Band, and more. The tickets were less than $7. Almost all the artists played for free, and all the money was donated to charity. And there was plenty of LSD available for the bands and the crew. On this episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to San Francisco with flowers on our hair to talk about Monterey. Let's hit it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode 17. I am your host with the flower power, Bruce Kramer, and I'm here with my very, very groovy co-host, Ryan McCusker and Doug McCusker. Peace and love, peace and love. Are you rocking out there? You guys look great, man, with the flowers around your hair. This is like a natural thing for us. The tie-dye looks awesome. You know, we're definitely flower children by heart, you know? Awesome. I love that we've gone from, uh, we talked about <laughs> Slayer. We did, we did Frank Sinatra, The Big Four, Shock Rock, and now this. So. It's, hey, man, that's what we do. We got to keep it fresh. Very diverse. Yeah, there's definitely nothing that we will not talk about. But tonight, or today, uh, man, we're talking about one of the most important events in the history of rock and roll. I think so. Yeah, you think about all the bands that had their first American appearance there, you know? Yeah, it's it was crazy. definitely... For its time, for its first time of having any kind of festival, besides um, the jazz festival that they had, like with Dylan went electric, this was like the first electric festival. It's always going to be compared to Woodstock, right? Yeah. Could, but this is two years before Woodstock. Well, they said this was like the like the inspiration for Woodstock, yeah. you know, and, and like 
couple other uh, festivals that happened in later after this, but this was like the first one of its kind. And they said this was be- the beginning of that summer of love idea, you know, even though like it's not 69 to 67. But they said this was the beginning of that summer of love feel. Right a week before this, Sgt. Pepper came out. Yeah. So you had the beginning of that culture being popularized. Yeah, it was already happening in 64. That's when, you know, the first Kuwait acid test happened. Mm-hmm. So that culture was happening. Yeah. Um, and then 67, that's when, I guess, along with the mamas and the papas, um, record producers and all these other guys got behind this festival to make it happen. You know, and it, and it was one of a kind at the time. Yeah, they somebody I forget who it was, but somebody did say quoted that you know the Beatles set this up like the idea of that like love thing, and everybody just kind of grasped onto that idea and just ran with the ball with it. Well, in '64, the Dead was happening, yeah. Janice was happening, all those guys was happening. The Beatles just made it Popular. pop culture. Yeah, you know, that's here, what I guess we're what doing it too. Yeah, but this I, is the in, in my opinion that's the real the real thing. Like the Beatles are real. But with the dead, uh, we're doing the original '64 yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I think the way we're going to tackle this tonight is we're going to, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit maybe about like how the festival came about. Like I think it's kind of an interesting story. And then I think we're just going to kind of walk through maybe each like the, you know, there's a, an afternoon and an evening set, and we'll just kind of we'll set the stage. We'll say who performed, and then we'll talk about the stuff. We'll play some tunes, and then we'll you know we'll we'll see how this goes. And I started in my notes by just like a whole entry on like why this event was so important because it it really does get overshadowed by Woodstock a lot. But you think about when the time this happened, like 67, like rock and roll is only 10 years old. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of people that think it's just like kind of this passing fad. Like it's going to go away. That's a good point. I never thought about that. Like rock and roll is only around for 10 years prior to this. But, but think about like some of this stuff that we're going to play and then compare it to the stuff like that we did on the sun records episode. Yeah. It's so different, man. Music has made this enormous jump. That's a great point. I never did that timeline. It's only 10 years. And, and, and a lot of these bands that play in this, like, they're not signed yet or they're up and coming. And it's like um, Woodstock kind of has, like, a commercial feel to it. There's, mm-hmm. like, there's some arguments yeah. around money around, like, who gets in the, the, the movie and stuff like that. With this, when they organize the festival, they make a really concerted effort to make sure that that San Francisco hippie I think, element is there. I think all of... The record, I think the mamas and the papas were out to exploit it. I mean, to exploit that whole hippie culture. It was happening. It was like, it was like a, a renaissance fair happening in this festival. So it was like, okay, we're going to have the mamas and the papas play. We're going to have this guy Hendrix play um, that nobody knows. Um, we're going to have the big brother play. And it's, and it's going to be the first of its kind. And then it's funny they bring that up. Like, you know, was was Big Brother signed to a contract yet? No, no, they weren't. No. And that, then like Otis like comes out. Otis Redding. Nobody just blows knew it him. Away. Yeah, and he just blows it away. Yeah, yeah. You know? A couple of the it, I had a couple of my in my notes. Some of the bands that get get signed. I mean, Hendrix was like a was a UK thing. The Who had never played in the United States. Otis Redding was popular with the African American crowd in the sure. South, but not to like white. California, mainstream America. So that's like the crossover for him. Janice Janice was was unsigned. I mean, it's like there's a story that like Clyde Davis was like, saw her and was like, I have to sign you right now. That was like the first set, right? The first, Janice played two sets on the Monterey. Yeah. Um, The first set that she played 
Clyde was like, I'm signing this yeah. band. And if you look at that performance, like she gives it her all. You know, that's the second performance. Actually, that was the second yeah. performance. They didn't, she wouldn't sign a release to be filmed in the movie. Okay, and they were like, "We'll sign this, and we'll put you on again right before the Hendrix and all this other shit." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was like, "Sold." Yeah. So I, that's the video of her. That's okay, the so second, second performance. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Like Clyde Davis just signed her. You know, everything's happening. It's it's you know. But I read something that she wanted to play Sunday also, and they wouldn't let her because she that, wasn't signed. Well, by the time she got yeah, off that well, stage, that stage, she was signed, yeah. and that's when she played with Sunday. Yeah. Was she? And yeah. guess what su- the Sunday was? The 18th. Yes, it June was. June 18th. That's our birthday. our birthday. There you go. I got, a, I got a couple of notes on Janice and the why they played two parts. We can, I guess we can get to them and their, their stage. Um, yeah, Clive Davis said that Monterey was the uh, creative turning point in his entire life. And that's a dude. I mean, he's been in the music industry for a zillion years. Yeah, and, it was yeah. the first time he tripped balls. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a little bit after Monterey, the suits start getting involved. You know, yeah, like all the yeah, records. They smell the money. They smell yeah. the money, and that kind of leads to Woodstock a little bit, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but uh, but the, the record labels aren't involved at this point, so you have all this, like, music that is all over the place with different influences. Like, Ravi Shankar, you know, other... The Beatles had that Eastern thing. The Beatles are almost like their own thing. Like yeah, you can't, you yeah. can't define them. Oh. But there's so much of this other types of music all blending together that then when the record labels get involved, they're like, "Well, this doesn't fit in a box." You know, you got to mm-hmm. have a defined sound. Sure. So, which I think it's also it's one of the reasons why, like, the record industry has struggled with the Grateful Dead for so long because they're all over the place that they're not in like yeah. one genre. I think- genre. I think a lot of this early rock and roll is blues influenced. You hear a lot of all these bands; they have such a blues yeah. vibe to it. I got a little bit of notes on just like the history of the festival. Maybe we'll just kind of set the stage here, and then we can start jumping into like what happened. So, the whole idea started with this dude named Alan Pariser, who was a um, he was some like wealthy guy. His family owned like a paper manufacturing company, but he really wanted to be around musicians. So he sold weed on the side nice. to kind of get involved in rock and roll. That's a yeah. And he he became friends with like Ringo, and he was hanging out with Stephen Stills and this jazz musician named Hughes Mascella, who winds up playing at Monterey. Because yeah. I had no idea who that what yeah. like, who this dude was. I recognize his name. And now I'm like, all right, now I know. So they started. They're hanging out one day and they're talking about the Monterey Jazz Festival because this one guy is a jazz musician, and then they go like, Hey man, it would be really cool if we had like a rock and roll one of these. And this guy. Pariser knew John Phillips because he sold weed. So they went to John Phillips and the mamas and the papas and their and his manager, Lou Adler. And they're like, hey, man, we're going to do this one day event. We'll pay the mamas and the papas five grand if you headline it. And um, around the same time, they said the mamas and the papas were hanging out at Mama Cass's house with their manager and McCartney was there. And they start talking about how rock and roll is being perceived. Again, it's 10 years old. It's kind of all grown up. Um, but it's still kind of looked down upon. And so the those two ideas, this guy saying, hey, mamas and papas, will you headline this? And then the mamas and the papas hanging out with McCartney and everything turns into this idea of let's have this three-day festival. Well, five grand is not a lot of money. So no. we'll get everybody to play for free. Which is mom- by itself to have all these bands play for free is is unbelievable. Yeah. But just trying to pull it off is a really ballsy idea. Like, there, has there was there like a rock and roll festival before this? No. There was one like a week before. That's right. But though, it yeah. wasn't, but it was but like. this is on a bigger scale. Yeah. And they threw this together 
in like eight weeks. Like the Mamas and the Papas. And they decided to have it at the same place as the Monterey Jazz Festival, like on purpose to be like, sure. Look, this is this is our legit yeah. art form. I said a little earlier, the Newport Jazz Festivals was an original festival. And I think they really especially Dylan going electric at that jazz festival. Oh right, yeah. I think um that really influenced this coast or the West Coast to have their own festival. Yeah. And they, so these guys, and they decided that, like, to give it some legitimacy, they came up with, like, this board of governors that didn't do anything other than, like, you could use their names to get other artists. And I have a, I just wrote down the names that I knew. It was McCartney, Paul Simon, Donovan, Smokey Robinson, Roger McGuinn, Mick Jagger, and Brian Wilson. Uh, I don't remember any of them being there. They, most of them weren't. And I do have something at the end of this on the bands who did not play yeah. at Monterey and why. And I, most of them are on this. Yeah, yeah. well, the Beach Boys, we'll get into later, but yeah. the Beach Boys one is kind of yeah. like mythical. Yeah. Like, this is why they didn't play. Yeah, out of these, I mean, it, it's the Birds were there. Yeah. Paul Simon was there. Brian Wilson. You know, I said, we'll get into him. Yeah, and everyone else was not. Yeah. Um, and the tickets for this thing, man, were between 3 bucks and six fifty. That's and outrageous. And, and Is that I, for the whole weekend or per day? I, I think the 3 bucks was for the day. day. And, and six fifty was like a seat See, in yeah, the like, front. Yeah. Who's getting that money? So, and I, well, I looked up. I'm like, what? Well, the, 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 hit, the San Francisco acts wanted to be completely free. Yeah, I sure. can the see that. Yeah. And I guess this was kind of the, and they're like, all right, well, we'll do this and we'll donate all the money to charity. Even in 2021 dollars. Six fifty is around fifty bucks. So imagine like going yeah. to this festival for three days for fifty bucks. That's great. That's great. It's nuts. And they also had this idea that like, all right, and then everything that we do is going to be like top shelf. You know, they they wanted it to be like the best equipment. They had like a medic tent. They had a they had a bad trip TP set yeah. up for people that, to trip. <laughs> but, but imagine that there was nothing like that before for them to come up with these ideas, especially like the bad trip uh, tent. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's. That's thinking outside the box. The one thing that Monterey was more, it was more planned better. It was more organized. Yeah. yeah. You know, Woodstock was just a fucking shithole. It turned sh- into a shithole. Yeah. 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 And they make a big deal at Monterey because they, a lot of the musicians, when they weren't playing, they were just sitting in the crowd. But it was also kind of high class behind. I mean, they were showing those guys were eating lobster and they had uh, steak and they had a room to jam in the back. And, you know, there was also a party going on. Dude, it was uh, a punch bowl laced with LSD. Really? Um, there was this guy, the Grateful Dead sound guy. His name is Bear. Yeah. Um, Oswald Stanley. Mm. Um, he was a, like a, a chemical chemist and he made the acid that was inspired made by Purple Haze. That's right. I did read the, yeah. Monterey Purple. Yeah. Especially, he's the one who designed the Dancing Bear logos, too, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Is he the guy who put the, like, during a dead show would have, like, their gels and people who will put, like, like that images That was just more it. of a culture thing. Mm-hmm. But he's the guy that made the wall of sound. Gotcha. Yeah. But he was a very big inf- he was a very big piece of Monterey because he was just handing this acid out. It was called Monterey Purple, you know. And man, I wish I had some because it's it looked like everybody was having a great time. Yeah, it looked like everybody was vibing. I mean, shit. I mean, everybody was sitting down. Everybody enjoying themselves. So you just said it looked like it was a great time, and you know that because there's a documentary about this. Yeah. So they also had the forward thinking to say. Hey man, let's videotape all this. And they hired this guy, D. A. Pennybaker, who was like a he was a, a music documentary uh, filmmaker. And um, the initial plan was that they were going to air this on TV. And the guy shot all this footage, and 
when they they showed some of the footage specifically of Hendrix to the TV network, oh, yeah. the, the network guy was like, "Not on my network, dude." So they became this sure. movie. But mm. you know, they had a hard time getting everybody sign the contract for the movie. You know what they would do? Right before you hit the stage, they was like, "Oh, sign this, and you're going to be in our movie." And Janice and the Dead and like. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I'm not signing. You're exploiting yeah. us. I forget what are some artists did that in uh in the Woodstock movie also. Yeah, the Grateful Dead did it. Did it yeah. Mm-hmm. See I didn't I didn't know that like they would have people signing and a lot of people wouldn't sign off on on that. <laughs> but that makes you you know makes you question, did they have the idea that this is going to be like a big movie like thing? Something to remember. Yeah. Was it like was it was was the movie as big as the Woodstock movie? Because the Woodstock movie, that's the only way they made movie. I'm sorry, made money off of off Woodstock, the soundtrack. Off the soundtrack in the movie. Was that the same deal with this? I, I read that the um, the charity that they created for this mm. still to, to this day raises tens of thousands of dollars Just, off of the intellectual property from Monterey. That's great. So it's it's, it's got to be what that's from. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was be, on yeah. the the film was on HBO Max. I watched it mm, this week. Yeah. So it's yeah. You know, there's there's got to be streaming rights to it and all sure. this other stuff. And then there was um, I guess a couple of years later they did start coming out with like you can get the Hendrix the whole performance or yeah. the Otis Redding whole mm, performance. Yeah. And there's a box set that has a whole bunch of other stuff in it. I would love to get that box set. The one that they have on Spotify is real lame. Yeah. Like it it's really sucks. I was like, but the box set that I saw on Amazon. That looks yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, um, you guys want to start talking about the the acts? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, and I kind of looked at this too. Is I every time I I made some notes, I tried thinking about like what's in the documentary and what happened at the other part of the show. So we'll be coming back to that. So I think we're going to do this by just each you know part of the show, and we'll just list the artists, and then we'll we'll talk about whoever we want to. So Friday night, the opening night. Here's the list who played: the Association, the Paupers, Lou Rawls, Beverly, Johnny Rivers. The Animals and Simon and Garfunkel. Lou Rawls. Dude, he's he's a great blues guy, man. I was listening to some of him before he's I came one of the here. Besides Otis, he's one of the only black guys to play Monterey. Yeah. No Motown acts were there. Like, um, Barry Gordy was like, none of you guys are going in this Monterey. Which, no, is, inter- paid. which is interesting. Which is interesting because Smokey's on the board of directors, too. Yeah. yeah. And Barry Gordy. And Smokey was ready to go. He wanted to come and perform, and they wouldn't let him. Yeah. 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 I, I wrote for this, like, I think the first night, for as famous as this festival is, the first night is rather underwhelming. You know, like, the the association, and I watched a, uh, there was a documentary that was on VH1 about the 40-year anniversary of this. Yeah. And they were talking about somebody with the association, and they were like, that's the music that all this counterculture is, like, going against. Like, you, re- you rolled out kind of the squares to open this. Well, fortunately, it takes squares to make big things happen. Yeah. But at the same time, like, we've all been to festivals and shows. Always that first day, you have, like, the, the warm-up to the second day, I to think, the third day, you know? You know, they had the animals play. And yeah, yeah. You know? Um, out of the, that whole list, that's the, the one band that I liked out of everybody you just mentioned that played that first day. Yeah, because they were just a garage band. And they came out and did this psychedelic show. They, like, completely redefined themselves in this. They were kind of like a... They were older at this point. Like, they were one of that first British invasion. Uh, I guess he had seen Hendrix in London and saw kind of where the music tide was turning. And they really, like, redefined themselves. The Animals are a great band. They're a great band. They were a garage band, and they went psychedelic for this show. Yeah. You you see um, the lead singer of The Animals. He comes out, and he has, like, psychedelic paint on his face. He's got war paint. He's, like, he's, like... 
really sneaking around on say he's definitely tripping. Yeah, but they're they're evolving into what the time has become. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They were like I said, they're the animals is a great garage band. They're yeah. they're just a great you know? band together. Yeah, but for them to play Monterey is how yeah. yeah, he said he um he he saw Hendrix and then he he spent a lot of time hanging out in California. He was in the Haight Ashbury district. Sure. You know, dropping some acid and, and really yeah. Let's play a little bit of um so they covered painted black and it was kind of like a tribute to the stones because the stones aren't here. No colors in my life, you know they're turning black. I see people walking by, dressed in their colorful clothes. I see them strolling by, a happiness flow. No more will my gray seagull turn a deeper blue. I could not foresee this thing happening to you. His voice just works with that. Yeah. It's a completely different sound for them, but it works. I, I love the arrangement. Even like when the band kicks in, like dun, 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 you know, they do a great job of painting a picture of what they're doing musicianly wise. Like it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Like they're totally being something different. They're trying something different. They were dressing different. The whole culture was there. They're evolving. Yeah. 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 He's wearing one of those like Baja blanket. Yeah. Kind of poncho looking looking things in the show, and he said he's all like painted up. Yeah, and just uh, I thought it was cool. I thought they had one of the better performances. Yeah, they were really it was really yeah. good. Maybe because they were like early in the weekend, and sure. they were like, all I right, was, we could play, and then we could party our asses off. If we played, if me and you played, I'm like, oh, let's let's play the first, let's play the first day, yeah. and enjoy yeah. ourselves. But like you know, this guy totally got lost in the '60s. Say people, oh, I got lost in the '60s. They totally got lost in the '60s, yeah. and just from that that. That version of that song of that intro and the intro is really long and they were it's they, great. They, it was you know the the times yeah you know people were experimenting there. yeah 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 I, I thought it was really cool that they took that risk and tried to do something completely different and I think a lot of music critics said that they like redefined themselves they reinvented themselves like when they walked off that stage they were a completely different sure. band and that's why they might have they might have played this hippie festival because of that and like back then everybody covered everybody's song so that was like a regular part of concerts and like recording sure uh, i'm sure brian jones was so happy sure playing. yeah and every, yeah. you know it, it was just like everybody was bowing down to brian all weekend yeah he had a great time yeah if you don't know who brian jones is he is the guitar player for the rolling stones he's he put the rolling stones together and then they threw him out of the rolling stones he was a mess you know like you said he i'm sure he had a great time like you know, uh, the Stones were probably like a big deal to all these bands. You know, they 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 kind of started this whole like with the Beatles, of course. But I, I you know, I saw an interview with um, Sammy Hagar, who said he was at, he was there, he was there, he hitchhiked there. He was thought, he really? Yeah, yeah. He, he said he was That's in the Haight Ashbury and he was getting high, and then they they just kind of hopped on a bus and went and checked it out. But he talked. He said they saw Brian Jones and they were walking, like, yeah, and he was like. Holy crap! That's yeah. Brian Joe, and they kind of like just followed him around to see if they could like be in his aura. I yeah. never heard that story. That's, yeah, there's a great. That's great. There's a thing on YouTube that VH1 made. Mm-hmm. It was like a 45 minute documentary. It was good. It was like for the yeah. 40th anniversary of, yeah. of Monterey. Cool. I mean, one other big artist who played on Friday night, which they had a really odd performance, was Simon and Garfunkel. But like Simon and Garfunkel, like yeah, you know, I know they did uh, "Sound of Silence" there. And that song was still pretty new at the time, and that song defined of how great 
um, songwriters and performers that they are. It's it's flawless. There's a lot of great songs that they play on that show. Yeah, but that specific one, I know, is one of their most popular songs. Mm-hmm. But they really show why they are remembered so long and loved for so long I, it's such know? a dark song i love it it would be like oh this is a bad vibe play something whatever by tripping whatever by on the yeah, LSD. They, yeah i forgot what i put on the playlist but they played that song yeah you've got homeward bound and 59th street bridge song well they, so this song is this is a weird performance to me because if you look at the video they have like all this weird red lighting on them it's like this devilish it's really odd, man. Go look it up on YouTube. It's because the light guy did some of the moderate purple. Sure. And he was tripping his ass off. I was just and say, put the wrong lights on. <laughs> it's time I was just going to say, maybe he realized Art Garfunkel was a devil. So just as you listen to this very groovy, you know, uh, summer love kind of yeah, feeling this, song, this, they're, this in is, this, they're in this... Church of Satan red light bathing them when they're playing. It was really weird. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Up until recently, I started get, getting more appreciation for Simon Garfunkel. I think a lot had to do with it. I think um, Rock and Roll Archaeology did a show on uh, Simon Garfunkel, and that yeah. really got me more interested in them. I guess it was just I had to grow up a little bit to really uh, appreciate them, but. What a great! They were they were great. I think they said that they were like one of the last one of the last performers of that night, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what represented nicely for the first day was sure. a lot of like acoustic acts going on. Yeah, that the, even though they're a New York act, they fit they, in right. Yeah, right, right. That's a California vibe yeah. that you get out of that song. Yeah. You said like letting the music do the talking, setting the stage. That that song does a great job. But I think that band like kind of set. Like kind of set up that that sound that was coming that was like oh, really yeah. popular yeah. at that time. They, so I think it's very fitting for them to be there. They were like the they were beatniks. Yeah, before exactly. they before they were the hippies, they were the beatniks. Yeah, and they were the beatniks hanging out in New York City with yeah. Dylan, yeah, being the folk rock. Yeah, so they fit really into that California feel. You know, yeah, it's a great because they're feeling groovy the first night because they're feeling groovy. Yeah. So then the uh, Saturday afternoon gets a little bit more bluesy. So here's the list that played Saturday afternoon. And I, this is an order that in which they, they perform. So it's um, Canned Heat, Janis Joplin, Big Brother and the Holding Company, Country Joe and the Fish, Al Cooper, the Butterfield Blues Band, Quicksilver Messenger Service, Steve Miller Band, and the Electric Flag. So you got some, some San Fran... There's some blues guys. There's some psychedelic acts. And the San Francisco sound is here, too. It sounds like like each day had like a different feel to it. Yeah, you know, like like we like you said, like this Saturday is like that um, that blues feel. Like yeah, all those bands—they're all great bands in my book that you all just played that you just mentioned anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of great bands. There's a I'm sorry, there was a lot of great bands that day. I keep on going back to Lou Rolls, but I I I think he was what rock and roll truly was was blues, 
and a lot of these bands were blues influenced. And that's so cool. Like, you know, you're talking 10 years into rock and roll and this music's still there. You know, when you have the change, but this is still there and people still people loved it. Can you, you know? play Tobacco Road? Yeah, by Lou Rawls. Lou Rawls, yeah. I grew up in a rusty shack. All I owned was a hanging on my back. Lord knows how I loathe this place called Tobacco Road. But it's home, yeah. I'm glad you just suggested we play that because I don't know anything about his music other than that one song that 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 you'll never know song that poppy song. I didn't know he was more of like a blues guy. Only knew what Lou Rawls was was on the P- PBS specials. Sure, you know he wasn't on MTV. Yeah, yeah, our generation yeah. totally chipped jumped over him but like listen to that you know janice is gonna play that day and she's probably fucking loving being there like you know yeah like she's probably fucking on the side of the stage you know oh yeah janice was uh we could talk about janice yeah maybe like real quick before we get into that canned heat when they played in the morning i i never understood how they were never a bigger band you said that earlier this week um, I, I listened to that song. I, I listened to Can He Rolling and Tumbling. Yeah. That's a great song. Yeah. Play a little bit of that. Yeah, I got a little bit of that. It's from, from Monterey. They I think played it's, this at Monterey. I think it's important to get kind of the the live feeling here. They're great, man. They're I, great, I always yeah. I always enjoyed them, and I never understood how they weren't more popular. Yeah, that's a great song. They have a great blues sound. Who was also on that day um, was Johnny Rivers. Do you know who Johnny Rivers is? Not top of my head. I, I know who Johnny Winner is, but no, not Johnny, Johnny Rivers. Rivers. No, he sang "Secret Agent Man." Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That song. So, so that was like yeah. total like flower power time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. If that was it, a big show. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a big song. That the, yeah. Yeah, I think the song was before the TV show. Um, yeah. Wow. That's a fun song. That we just yeah. learned yeah. that song it's, in the it, quarantine to play. That's a fun he song played to play. That, he played it that day, too. At Monterey? Yeah. That's huh. great. Oops. Yeah, and it didn't make it into the, into the documentary. So. agent, man. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so then, I get, then the next person that comes in after Can Heat, man, is Janice. Yeah. And the story, the story I read of why she wasn't in the video was that her manager was like, you're not making any money. We're not signing this yeah. because we're already playing for free. And she goes out and they, they just absolutely crushes it. it. And when she walked off the set, then she found out that her manager didn't sign the release and she started crying. Sure. And she was crushed. So then John Phillip, they were like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll let you play Sunday. And if you sign everything. Yeah. So it was like, that's it. That's she wanted to be in yeah. it. But because um, this is the the jump off for her career, it was you know? um, in the audience was Clive Davis, mm-hmm. and just seeing her on stage, he's like, "I got to sign this band." They had a little, the Big Brother had a little um, record contract, but it was like a local kind of sure. thing. Yeah, now, obviously, Clive Davis is a huge record mongol. Um, he put 
he was there. He felt like Square. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He felt money. like a total Square. He's the money. He, he said yeah. he goes there and he has like a article. He has like a sweater tied around his neck, and here's all these hippies, and he like totally sticks out like a sore th- a sore thumb. So, but Janice comes on and he gets blown away. And she, you think about you think about that and like where Janice has come from. This is the performance of her life. She kicks ass. You, yeah. Nobody. What I watch this performance, or again the, the second, the, the yeah. second whatever second performance. And it just seems like nothing exists except for her. Like, you know, she, she just brings I, it and just. I had the exact crushed, same. I had like, a similar experience watching it. And it's just like, this is the beginning of like, of course, she was brilliant. Like, she's always been brilliant. But now the rest of the world finds out how brilliant she is. Play ball yeah. and chain on there. This is a live version from uh, Winterland. I wanted to love you, but I just wanted to hold you. I said for so alone. Yeah. All right. We only play thirty seconds of the of songs on this show Mm -hmm. because of lawyers and stuff. (laughs) But man, dude, I could play that whole ten minutes. Sure, that ten minute thing, man. That that blows me away as much as any other piece of music i've ever they heard were, they were so unknown at that time to clive davis she was unsigned material nobody's here watching her and it was like holy shit i'm signing this woman right away I, or he signed the band because janice wouldn't be signed without the sure but that's it. that's one thing i want to get into i don't think big brother holder company get the recognition as an amazing band that they are yeah you just heard it there I, yeah you know like they're just they they tore they tore it up. They were a great blues band. Yeah, because I I think because her solo album like Pearl came out after yeah. she died, and yeah. that just went just crazy. That, yeah, Bobby, and Bobby McGee was yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but th- what a great! I just you know a few like a couple months ago, I was listening to Janice and Big Brother and Holding Company, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this band is great!" I think like I, yeah, I think we had such an awful experience with Janice Joplin. Right. McCuskers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we said this customer, yeah. her name was Ivy, and she was a maniac. And she would play Janis Joplin and s- sing and scream on the top of her lungs. Like, obviously. Like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. 2 o'clock <laughs> on a Saturday. She'd be sitting you know, in front of the jukebox. With no I shoes on. With no, I wouldn't turn the jukebox up any louder, because it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. You know, what the fuck? You know? And uh, she's smoking her cigarettes. She's throwing them on the floor. You know, it's just class act. Oh, well, but I guess whatever. Janice, it ruined Janice for us. No, absolutely. There's quite a few bands. Like, like the, ten years like, had to go yeah. by. Like you know, like the Mamas and the Papas are in there with the same with the same thing. This bar ruined the, those bands for me. But this woman was just like Janice. I thought she thought she was Janice. I think, I think all women are Janice at a certain point. They have that Janice side to her when they're drinking. Or oh in yeah, life when in they're drinking. Okay, like, right. Janice was uh, obviously a bad drunk, but yeah. before she got signed, before she was a rock star, yeah. she would hang out with the boys. Like she was yeah. in the boys' club, she would yeah. swear a lot. Yeah, she would she would spit a lot, and she, obviously she would drink a lot. Yeah, I, I read before with when she was in the band with those guys, like she was just like in that band. Like this was her oh, band. Yeah. This this was it. Yeah. You know? I've never heard another singer that has a voice that's even close no, to that. That's why she's no. iconic, like, just amazing. Yeah, and it, I mean that's just a performance that just punches you in the face. I was like, man, I could sit sitting out in my backyard with a fire going, 
turning that up really, really loud, man. I just like I watched the whole, and I mean, we're talking about Saturday. The video in the documentary is from Sunday, but I like I watched it in the documentary, and then I rewound it and watched it again, yeah. like in a row. I was like, man, this is amazing. She was definitely better at Monterey than she was at Woodstock. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. She didn't. She didn't recreate the wheel. She just did it the best, in my opinion. No, there for was other women singing, like yeah, for, for women blues singers. Yeah, she just did it the best. Yeah, yeah, and, and she was white. Yeah, and she was marketable, and you know, she was white as white. She, as she's white. white, but she's one of those artists. Like I, you hear the voice, and you see her, yeah. and you're like, what? Like that? Yeah, that vo- you know, like there's a handful of artists like that. You hear them, and then they don't. Like, we especially about- in in sixty five. Right. What does this happen? Sixty seven. Okay, sixty seven. 67. But, you know, with her growing up, she got made fun of a lot. She this, that. She was absolutely, like, yeah. she was an artist before. Yeah, she, she was really yeah, picked she, on. And, and then she know. she went, she actually went back with, with, with a fur coat and a Rolls Royce. And yeah, they treated her like, like shit. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, here I am. Yeah, she kind of, yeah. she had a really sad existence. She did. I, I don't know. Like, did you guys hear the story that Clive Davis, like, she said, I yeah. won't sign the contract unless you have sex with yeah. me. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that. Clive, it came out of Clive Davis's mouth. Did I know. It? Yeah. That's why I don't believe it. Did he do it? Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I think. I think Clive is. I don't know. I don't think he's a fibber. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and, know. And, and 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 to know like what kind of woman Janice was, his, his, I totally see that. His book. He did a really good job of making every single artist about him, and oh, you know, every, Did you read his book? Yeah. Every uh, every I success was his. But fault. that was my like before I said what Clive Davis because he took. Credit for everybody. Yeah. Mm. Do you think he he deserves it? Do you think he just has his own ego? And he's he's done an amazing. I mean, the yeah. influence he's had on music yeah. is, is amazing. It just his book just seemed like every success was as a result of him, and every failure was not his fault. Well, it was somebody I, I feel else. that like you know he gave the opportunity to a lot of these acts, and he had the biggest you know sure the biggest. I mean, po- the deeper the be- uh, the deepest pockets to make that happen. You know, yeah. They, um. Go ahead. I would say he wasn't the only record guy there. That yeah. Day. yeah. It seems like everybody got signed at Monterey. Yeah. Like um like the Steve Miller band. Like they they also they didn't have a record deal. Or yeah. they, they you know, they got signed right out of this too. And they're they're not in the movie. They just kind of did their thing and um I had to even look up what the hell they played because I'm yeah, like they didn't I mean, have any record they how, had, how long were they together when they did when they did this? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, like you said, sixty seven. Yeah. yeah, so they they, they they had to be around for a couple of years before that. Yeah, for them to years. play. Yeah, they get that good. They played "Living in the USA." Uh, that was the only. They only played three songs. They played "Living in the USA," "Mercury Blues," which was a cover, and a song called "Super Shuffle" that mm. I didn't know. Another thing, man, it was really interesting at the Janice thing was, and this is kind of like some of the liberties that the documentary takes because if you watch the video of her playing, there's a part where they go back to the crowd. And Mama Cass is sitting in the crowd, and her jaw is yeah, just sure. open. And yeah. she, at yeah. one point, she just goes like, "Oh wow!" Yeah, like, like just blew her away. Yeah, I wonder, like Mama Cass, like because the mamas and the papas were together for a while, and then here you have this unknown woman who just comes up and blows you off the stage. Like that story, they, Jimi Hendrix going to England. They intimidated. Yeah. She intimidated every yeah. woman singer. Yeah. She dominated yeah. everybody. Yeah, like when Hendrix went to to England and. and and he, he dominated every guitar player in his way. And Eric Clapton said, "Well, we're all out of a job." Or yeah. Pete Townsend, or somebody. Yeah. Or it was, yeah, yeah. But it had to be the same feeling, you know. Yeah, but Janice, she was there, awesome. There's nobody's going to be as good as she is. No, yeah. everybody's my, tried. Like people, yeah. like but girls, like Melissa Etheridge, 
they try to be the Janice ripoff. Yeah. Um, but they're always just going to be one Janice. Yeah. Nobody has ever come close with that voice. I've she, never well, heard another person like that. Yeah. It's all that Jack Daniels she drank. Yeah. Yeah. Southern Comfort. Yeah. Uh, Steve Miller Band formed in 66. Okay. So they've so been, been around, around for a year. year and then they, they got signed. Um, what other band that played on, on this that I don't know a lot about was Country Joe and the Fish? You guys listen besides, to them at all? Besides them doing the Woodstock, yeah. I don't know anything about yeah. them. They were like a, a really, um, and that, that I put that in my notes too. Like I don't know much about them, but I knew that they played both. They're only in the movie for like a minute, yeah. like a little bit. But apparently, they were like a really political psychedelic band. Sure, and they just kind of been lost to history. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about all that because they were a big movement in the, of course, in the Woodstock movie. Not so much this one, but like Country Joe McDonald, like he was like a big activist. And was I, he? I, yeah, I don't think that is know, he the guy. Is he the guy? Say one, two. What are we fighting for? I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. Don't give a damn. I believe so. Really? Yeah. Vietnam. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. If that's him. But there's a. I think I put a song on there. You me. did. Not so sweet, Martha Lorraine. Yeah, I'll play. Let's play a little bit of it. She hides in an attic concealed on a shelf. Behind volumes of literature based on herself And runs across the pages like some tiny... But yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I agree with you. They kind of got lost in the time, you know. I, yeah, they were, un, they, were, they were forgettable. You're absolutely Besides being in Woodstock. There, yeah, there were a million bands that were doing exactly what they were doing. You know, I'm and, not taking anything away from them. They were there, man, but... Yeah, they're forgettable. Yeah, just kind of just kind of fell through the crack. Yeah. So they got lucky. They got lucky a couple of times to play these things. Yeah, yeah. in the right place, right at place the right time. Totally. Yeah, and maybe their activism is a reason that they get Probably. they get picked Probably. as well. Yeah. So I guess so. I guess Saturday afternoon wraps up, and then I I guess they take a break before they pick up and they have another set for Saturday night. And here's a list of musicians who play Saturday night: Moby Grape, Hugh Mascella, The Birds, Laura Nero, Jefferson Airplane, Booker T and the MGs, and then. Otis Redding. Mm. Wow, that's a that's a hell of a Saturday night. Um, let's talk about the birds a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was really weird. Like the birds in Buffalo Springfield aren't in the documentary. Yeah, and they're like I associate them with that California sound. I know that they're from L.A. Mm-hmm. and I think that the San Francisco people were kind of frowning on the Los Angeles scene oh, at yeah. the time. Yeah, but I just thought it was weird. Like I just I just see those two as classic. California rock and roll bands. From the I late think 60s. they were the original ones. Yeah, yeah. But they they probably saw like, hey, this is a big thing that's happening. We should go play it. And who knows? They probably like all friendly and this and that. And you know, the birds had like their pop songs and whatever. You they, know, they have a great song that they played that day. It's called "So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star." Yeah, let's play a little. Yeah, bit let's of listen that. to it.
Yeah, Ryan, we were just playing this. You, were, you mentioned that, like uh, David Crosby's in this band. He was having a good time. Oh, so, David Crosby always has a good right, time. David Crosby's been having a good time. You know, he's on his second liver, and he's still having a good time. Yeah, he's a, I don't know, he's a strange guy in my book. But Bruce, you were saying, like, you know, during when we were listening, you're like, oh, like the bird, they had that classic California sound, like, you know, like the Beach Boys and this and that. But I think that that sound was the popular sound until the 60, late 60s really kicked in. The harmonies. Yeah. And- like, that's like car commercial shit in my book. I think you the birds I mean? were very radio-friendly. Yeah. They did a great version of Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah. I think their harmonies go great together. Um, and everybody's noodling this guitar parts in there. I think I think the band was great. Um, Crosby, you can totally hear him on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Um but like music definitely evolved. Like whatever. Like I understand you. Like you have your California Dreamin' Surfing USA yeah. sound, and then you have your Grateful Dead and the well, jazz job. You know, like, that's you know, totally two different parts. Absolutely. of California. Absolutely, and it's like two different sides of the spectrum, but the same thing. And they already. I think a lot of the San Francisco bands thought that the birds were sellouts already because they totally. were like they were I don't commercial. Disagree with that. They were commercially yeah, successful. Well, that's what I said. It sounds like a car commercial. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like. Absolutely, you know. I mean, look, they opened Saturday night. Sure. They were that big. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, another artist that I thought was really interesting in here was Laura Nero. And I, she's another one. I don't know any of her music, mm-hmm. but um, her story always was, I mean, she was only 20 years old. It was only the second time she's ever played live in her entire life. And when she walked, got up on stage, she said she got, like, really, really nervous, and she swore that they booed her off the stage. Oh, really? And they said that she, um, for 30 years, she had been telling the story that I was booed off stage, and she hated her performance. And they said that, like, the guy that, um, in the late 90s, when they came out that box set of all the other stuff, they actually found footage of her performance, and they're like, they weren't booing you. They were saying, that's beautiful. And How funny they, is that? Yeah. And the, the, the documentary guy, like Penny Baker, called her and told her but she was in the hospital like dying of ovarian cancer oh that's awful and they told her like on her deathbed like dude they weren't booing you man but they said like that was like this legend that's awful can you imagine carrying that shit around your whole life probably think about that every day yeah Yeah. and they said that like she um that was like a like that's always the story like she was the only person that's a shame that was booed off the stage by all these hippies and all this love and power and flower power she was so young though like I mean like she was probably so intimidated by everybody else there she was so high Probably. Yeah, and it was a, and it was her like it was a mistake. She yeah. just she just she, heard she it missed, wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'd be like like Springsteen thinking they're booing him instead of yelling yeah, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. You know, just um, yeah. But that, that's a shame. That's a real shame. And they said she she died very shortly after that of ovarian cancer. Well, I'm glad just she like, got to hear. Yeah, I'm she glad heard she got it. to hear yeah. that. Yeah. So that was I thought that was really interesting, and that was even like in her obituary they were talking about like she was allegedly booed off stage. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's a shame. The, to, just say that she played Monterey. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like we should play some of her music. Do it in memory. Yeah, yeah. Right, I put right. a song on there. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Can you say? Can you picnic? Whoa! Can you say? Can you picnic? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's like too much of a bummer. I think, I, really? I think she sticks out like a sore thumb at this Monterey. I think it's 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 she sounds Monterey, like a show, yeah. She sounds Monterey, like a show yeah. tune. Yeah. 
I don't know. Just yeah. like doing, like you know, tripping with everybody. He's like, oh, you should go play the show with us. Sounded like you Carol know? King. A little yeah, bit. I, was I, little like that. I was gonna say that. Yeah. So it sounds like a show tune. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't dig it. Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, they, they were there. They were the next band on the bill that night. Um, what do you know about Airplane? This I put on my notes. This is when they were a great band before they transformed yeah. into that garbage starship that produced We yeah. Built the City. Yeah, uh, that I threw in the electric chair a, a little while ago. Man, Grace Slick had a great voice. Yeah, yeah. They totally bombed the show though. They she, sucked. Was, yeah, was she all messed up? They they all were. Yeah, the she, whole weekend every. Monterey wasn't that great of a music performance of that weekend. Yeah, you guys were talking Everybody about... Everybody like, kind of yeah, bombed. Yeah, except guess, for like Hendrix and The Who. Yeah. I guess um, being messed up wasn't an excuse for this because everybody was, was... No, I mean... Like with Jeffrey Airplane, there's a lot of footage of that band they're being singing, messed up on the road. Yeah. They're and singing like, like out of key. Yeah. They're just like one singing like the harmony and one's totally off. Yeah. Uh, for Monterey. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It was fucked up. They were considered like the headliner or they were considered one of the headliners. Yeah. Well, they like were the big like, acts. They were the one bringing in the hippie culture. Yeah, they were the one that had radio hits like yeah. White Rabbit. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, was White Rabbit around oh, when, yeah. the song, when, yeah. when they, they played were Monterey? Like, yeah, this was yeah. a big song. Yeah, play White Rabbit. Yeah. yeah, I love this song. So they they played White Rabbit and Somebody to Love at yeah. Monterey, but that those songs aren't in the documentary no. either, which is weird. But that's their two songs of their career, in my opinion. Somebody yeah, they were the they were huge. Yeah. They were huge hits, and I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, White Rabbit's a fantastic song. It's, it's, it's if I had to say a song that I like by them, it's them. I'm sorry, it's that song. Did you ever hear the recording of that with just her voice? No, I'll check it, it, is it out though. Fantastic. Really? Yeah, she could bring it. You know, I always had a funny thing. I hear that song and she said, I'm chasing rabbits. Mm. I think of Bugs Bunny. Do you really? Like, yeah. And what's up, Doc? <laughs> Whenever I really listen to that song, you know, again, you know, going back past episodes, I'm not the biggest Doors fans, but dude, the fucking Doors wish they could write a song that good. It's you got know? like a like the drums is has like almost like a like a military. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like an execution. But by yeah. the time the end of this, the, the end of the song, it peaks. It peaks. Yeah, dude, it's like chasing the rabbit. You know, yeah, yeah. And chasing got, the dragon, you and know? it's got that like. That psychedelic sound, but her voice is just so powerful. By too. now, they're like rock stars. Yeah, yeah. they're huge. Yeah, that song is all over the radio. The hippie culture is getting big. You know, um, I think at that time, having women in a band was a big deal. Like Janice and the Big Brother. Sure. You had her in Airplane, and they had another singer, Marty. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the women's movement was really happening. Yeah. And the Monterey. mom and the papas were really big. Yeah. You know, yeah. the women's movement was happening. The documentary, too, there's when you mentioned the other singer, because there's one of the songs in the movie that Grace Slick isn't isn't singing. And um, the other dude is the other guy is. And she's just kind of mouthing the words, just, just going along. 
yeah. but the camera's on her the whole oh, time. Yeah. So it looks like you see her she mouth moving, like but singing. it's not her. The cameraman toy has a thing for her. Yeah. And just stares at her the whole time. But she was also like, she was good looking. Oh, yeah. She had that amazing voice. And she, I think she just kind of like commanded the crowd when she was there. Like, there is Grace Slick with, with her band, Jefferson Airplane. Uh, like, yeah. you know, I, they're, hypnot- they're hypnotized. Yeah, yeah, I think she gets a little bit too much credit. Like, but that is a great song, though. Like, they have some good tunes. But yeah, they were they are part of the, the San Francisco sound. Absolutely. Yeah. They made yep. what hippies were. They were one of the originals. Yeah. yeah. And they so, made a lot of money. So then um I guess the next artist to talk about is Otis Redding. Wow. This is my favorite live performance, I think, in the history of every all music. There's with a, him at Monterey. There's a great album out of him with the Monterey. Yeah, called Shake. They yeah. finally released this whole set. When we started discussing about doing this episode, and you said that on Mac, like, like, yeah, like Otis writing, this is the greatest performance I've ever heard anybody do from anything. Why yeah. don't you play Shake yeah. right off? So Shake is also, like, that's his song. And I think yeah. it's really cool because he comes out, they said he walked out on the stage and he told the band, played in double time. Because it was Saturday night, everyone's high, they've been partying all day. And he's like, I'm going to get him going. Yeah. So he has him play it extra fast. Play it. All right. Ryan, I think you were you had a great point when we were just listening to this. I said um, before Otis came on, Booker T and the MGs were the band playing, and they wind up being they wind up being his backup band. Yeah. So what was happening? Airplane was over, and everybody got up and start leaving. Mm. So Otis like looks at the band and is like, "Holy shit! Okay, double time. Let's yeah. do it up." And so you hear him. On it, he said, come on, come on, come on, because yeah. people were leaving. Yeah, and all of a sudden, Otis just kicks ass. Like he's in into his performance. He's already doing the church's shit. You know, he was an amazing live actor. Yeah. Do you think he took part in the LSD and everything like that? Probably, most likely not. He probably sat around and like, look at these people. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know about, uh, much about his personal yeah. life. Yeah, I, I, I was I, from listening performances and when you guys talk, the best. Yeah, he did the best. So I would say he just. People watched the whole time, like, look at all of this. Maybe he showed up later for the late yeah, yeah. part. He definitely had He's one of the better performances yeah. that night. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would say no that he didn't. Play another song that he played right, that yeah. night. Yeah. How about, uh, uh, what do you want to hear? You want to hear re- Respect or I Can't Get No Satisfaction? Play Respect. All right. Man, he just blows everything out of the water, in my opinion. His version is just... I think it's a completely different song. Oh, it is completely different. The arrangement's different. Everything's different. Her version's real bluesy. Yeah, and her version becomes like the the flagship song for like women's rights. And this is like... 
I just got home from work and I want you to, to give me some loving. Yeah. Kinda, kinda I, stuff. I just, I love Otis. Yeah. He was taken too soon from us, man. A couple things that I noticed in this is one, he keeps calling the crowd. This is the love crowd because mm. he knows it's all the hippies and he's from like the South. So he's like, yeah. this is yeah. the love crowd. He's, he's out like, of breath when he's talking because yeah. he's been already going nuts. People probably treat him like a person for the first time in his life. Sure. Yeah, like you said, he was from the South. Obviously, we don't have to talk about that, but yeah. he's treated like an asshole his whole life. And at the same time, he probably had to win over the crowd, like you guys were saying, like, People were leaving after Jefferson Airplane, so he had he had something maybe to prove to himself, and he had to win over the crowd. Yeah, he, you know he really did. He really, you know, he did. He he won them over and some. And I think one of the things I like about him is he doesn't like when he sings. He doesn't. He lets his voice go over. Like he sings so hard that his voice like starts gets all like gravelly. Like yeah. he, he toes that line right between like yelling and singing because he's so in. Like you could just hear the passion that's coming out. It's of him. great like live that, performance. Yeah, yeah, like that end of um. Uh, try a little tenderness. We played that. That's yeah. like what is what is uh, Jay Z sampled for that mm, song yeah. Otis. Yeah, and I was like, dude, that is like that is is like one going to best, church. One of the best parts of ever recorded in rock and roll. Yeah, and they said um, when he when he was trying to learn, I can't get no satisfaction. He had his uh, one of his guitar guys was writing the lyrics down, and he was all like, "What is this?" And he said he took the paper and he like threw it across the room. He's like, "This is," but he still played it. His ver his version of satisfaction is unbelievable. He he, he even. Peps that song up, like he sure. he he really was he was a, nobody was like him. Everybody tried to copy him for the last fifty years. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But you know nobody was like Otis. Yeah. You want to play a second of that? Play play satisfaction. All right. Jump again. Do you think Brian Jones walk around? I wrote that shit. Brian Jones was loving this weekend because everybody's covering his songs. Yeah, everybody was covering his songs. Everybody's following him around. He's like royalty. He's walking around like a king. And like like Brian Jones, he probably never even thought of an arrangement the way that Otis did it. it like probably blew I don't his think, mind. I don't think any. I think you have to be from the South. Yeah, and to be from where yeah. Otis came from yeah. to. To make music like that, yeah, that's I, like a black church thing to me. Sure, it's like his yeah. music, man. That just, just like, I hope he got. I hope Brian got to, to hear it. You know, and Otis, like, um, I read that he wrote "Sitting in the Dock of the Bay" like right after the festival. That was kind of his like when he says like I want to go home from you know yeah uh, my home in Georgia yeah because he's thinking about going back from Monterey. Oh, really? And and he died six months later. Yeah, that's in that plane that's crash. A, but that's a, that's like if I ever have like a really hard day and I just need a minute. That's like one of the songs I put on. Yeah, there, you know he's he's he great man. Way too tick, ticking way too soon. So a lot of the artists in this, you know, Hendrix and Joplin and yeah. and and him. But I mean, and even you hear him. I, I put this in my notes. Like him and Janice, man, they are they are old souls. Yeah, between so yeah. you would know that he's like he's, he's twenty six. He's in a category all wow. by himself. Twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah, 27. yeah. You know, wow. He's, he's really young. He has such a soulful voice. Yeah. If you go out and pick up his greatest hits, you'll see what I'm talking about. He was 26 when he he. So yeah, he dies December 10th. Mm-hmm. So this is like six months later, and he was 26 years old. So he was 20. He was born in September. So he was 25. When I he think plays it's, this. it's it's crazy. I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah. You know what's really crazy in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They have a piece of this plane 
and it says oh, Otis really? writing on it. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he like bought that. It was like his private yeah. jet. He finally had enough money that he yeah. bought it. And I think it was like the it was like the first or second time he ever took yeah, it out. That's a shame. Yeah, but they had like it says Otis writing. They found it like in the water or something. Yeah. like Wow, it's it's heavy. Wow. And I see I seen it there one time with Ryan, and I saw it one other time years ago somewhere else, and I was like, man, that's kind of. Should they have that up here? I don't you think know? they should. I thought it was yeah, kind of. I bad remember you taste. said that. Yeah, I remember you saying and that. And they had we were it there. In, a, in like a. It was in a hallway. Or it some it shit. was like in a case, and then a few feet from it was Cliff Burton's base. Yeah, it didn't make any sense how it was laid out. It's strange. It was like, oh, here's a bunch of shit. When I was there by myself at one time, they had it by itself okay. somewhere, like on the second level. But then they moved it down there, which I thought yeah. was really. Yeah, it bad taste. It yeah, has nothing to do with anything it's of that tragedy. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, another guy, another talented guy. We we lose in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he just died in a plane crash. Yeah, you know, it wasn't he didn't OD anything. Yeah. It was just a freak a freak accident. Yeah, you know, much like uh, the Buddy Holly. We talked about sure. him yeah. a while ago too. Just just a plane crash. So rock and roll stars. Or music should not be traveling in small planes. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to get too far off topic with yeah, Monterey, yeah. but he was. Um, I mean, like. He was the voice of like Stax Records, sure. You know? And yeah. he was like, they were ready to make like Memphis as the they the, were going to overtake Motown, yeah. yeah. And it just chance. it yeah. just derailed everything, yeah. yeah. Like he Otis was like their Smokey, yeah, sure, yeah. And, and Stax definitely had a there's a different sound to it, like a like a, a different soul sound to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more like they rock. don't sound like those Motowns. Yeah, it's more like a rock and roll yeah. kind of yeah. kind of vibe. Two separate I, things. Yeah. yeah, I think that's why Otis fit in with Monterey. Because he was so rock and roll, when a lot of the Motown stuff is R and B, yeah, you know, it's it, like it's smoother, yeah, you know, like yeah. the Motown it's a stuff. It's a completely different, different thing. sound, yeah. yeah. But he definitely, like, again, but like he definitely belonged there, you know. And, but at the same time, he did have to win over a crowd. Yeah, they're all walking out. Yeah, and that's a but that's a great. Like, if you got to go, if you're like he plays in the South, I can and he's like, got to introduce himself to like white America in the '60s. The hippies are probably a really good place to do it, right? Really like, good to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of what I mean. And again, Hendrix is there too, right? Yeah, yeah. But Hendrix is like part of that that culture. Yeah. But like Otis, like you know, I give him a lot of credit for going to, to play that. Whoever told him to go play that was a genius. It was definitely a different kind of music that was going on that weekend. Yeah, it was. It was going to be popular. Like it was good music. That's why I was there. Yeah. But to go, like that took a lot of guts to go and play this festival. Nobody sounds anything like you. And that's a good thing. Right, your that's type a good of music thing. is completely yeah. different it than everybody else. It could go either else. way. I, but it's a party, like Ryan was saying. Like, the party's, like... I think he saw his opportunity. Yeah. He he sees the moment. He saw, like... Maybe he saw airplane crash. Yeah. He's not, like, yeah, not, he's like, no point intended yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he yeah, saw... Yeah. Jefferson, Jefferson airplane, airplane bomb, yeah. like... And, here we, yeah. and he's like, here's my chance. Let yeah. me go out there and rock. And they're a successful band at the time. And he blew them off the oh, stage. He blew, he blew yeah. everybody off. The, it yeah. was like one of the most memorable performances that weekend. Yeah, him and Janice. Yeah. I would agree with you. Hendrix, Janice, Janice, The, the who. who. Yeah. yeah. It's great. So, All right. I, I hate to say it, but I think we're done with Otis Redding. No. So, um, we'll, I think we'll be talking about him more more on the show um, as we move forward with other episodes. So, so we're up to Sunday. Why don't we take a little yeah, bit of a man. commercial break? We've got Sunday afternoon and Sunday night. And then uh, you know, we'll take it from there. We'll be back. Yeah. This episode of the Prisoners of Rock and Roll is brought to you by McCusker's Tavern, located at 17th and Shunk Streets in South Philadelphia. McCusker's Tavern has been in business for more than 50 years, making it the oldest bar west of Broad Street and a city known for its neighborhood watering holes. Minutes from the sports stadium, McCusker's is a great place to stop in for a few beers before or after a game or a concert. 
There's a reason why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy have ranked it as one of the best dive bars in the city. Music is such an important part of McCusker's Tavern that we're actually recording this episode from there right now. They're currently closed due to the pandemic, but miss everyone and hope to see them soon. In the meantime, check them out on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. So now we're up to Sunday, June 18th. The have a birthday. I have a long list of the people who performed on Sunday afternoon. Ravi Shankar. Yes, Ravi. Robbie. That's it. He's the only. He's the only one who played. He played for like fucking four hours. <laughs> yeah. Did he really? Yeah. He's his, also the only. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. He's the only musician in this whole thing. He got paid to play. Yeah. Because they said he he when they started the initial idea where the musician were going to get played, he had a contract and he signed on right away to do it. And then when they decided to make it a charity, he was like, "I have a contract." <laughs> and so the mom is a bop is John Phillips agreed to honor that. So they paid him three grand. Well, you said McCartney had something to do with like putting this all together. Yeah. Do you think McCartney like, oh, well, you want? I probably. I mean, because he, he right. Had, that's how the yeah. sitar. Right. Yeah. He taught George Harrison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was, he was like a rock famous, star. Yeah. 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 He yeah. was a rock star. Yeah. I, I mean, in that culture anyway yeah. he's associated with the beatles so yeah. automatically like automatically I, yeah i heard that he almost walked out of the festival too because he was he was offended by the who and how they would smash their instruments that. and he he was gonna not perform it's and a, they had to like really get him i i think one of the concessions was that they let him play for three hours i mean he he went on way before the who oh they're not gonna <laughs> smash <laughs> their guitar right. don't worry about it, it ain't do you think he felt like oh they're smashing these instruments that have souls in them and like you know, some kind of like guru idea. Yeah, I guess his vibe kind of it, it fits that whole hippie yeah. thing. I thought with the documentary man, it was like the, the he was the, the documentary is like an hour and twenty minutes. He he was on for a lot yeah. in the documentary. Like you know, I don't want to say too much about. Could you imagine no. listening three hours? Sounds of that? like hell. Yeah. Could you like no. imagine? No. By the end, the end of his performance, he was he was really rocking out. I mean, he was really. Going after everybody it. was about it though too. Yeah. I mean, fuck for three yeah. hours you're sitting there, you uh, you're gonna like it at some point. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know, man. And a lot of the notes I have were about the movie because I said like, um, it was interesting because like the, I don't know how he's if he's on for ten minutes of the movie. It's it did seem That's much long. longer than yeah. that. And I was watching. I had it on my computer while I was working the other day. And my daughter came in. She was just like, "What are you watching?" Yeah, yeah. I thought, um, yeah. But they show like. The beginning of it, like they don't show him performing for quite a while in the video, but they show people like sleeping. Yeah, like the crowd is doing all this. It's kind of like, all right, this dude's on. I'm just going to go hang out, take some more LSD, go check out what the vendors are doing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's Sunday morning. The party was Saturday. Yeah. I mean, everybody's walking in and like you said, uh, everybody's hung over in the LSD. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is probably the time where, okay, you're looking at the set list. You know all these bands that are coming in Sunday evening. This is like, all right, I'll get there when I can. I don't mm. need to be there for the three-hour set. I I had some other really weird notes on here. It was like they kept they kept showing the um, the crowd a lot, and they showed one dude had a monkey. And I was like, <laughs> how did the dude with the – I was like, one, I was like, is that, is that guy related to Omar? Because yeah. he Omar. looked like he was an Indian guy with a, with a little monkey on his shoulder. I'm like, how did that guy get into like a concert with a I, monkey? Dude, it was a hippie fest. People yeah. were just – and then they show a lady sitting on a retaining wall playing a flute. And I was like, lady, don't ever bring your own instruments to a friggin' concert and decide you're going to play. I'm oh. thinking of like the, the Janice lady you were telling us about. Oh, like, Lord. Like, oh, like, I'm going to bring my own. There are diamond dozen. And then um, some of the crowd stuff, too, was like uh, they showed Hendrix at one point. He's sitting in the audience. He's really jamming. And at the end, when Ravi Shankar finishes, the whole crowd goes 
bonkers. Because they, they, they probably all peaked at the they, same time. They maybe. all stand up. But if you look at it really closely, Mickey Dolenz is sitting is in the audience. And he goes like nuts. He's from the monkeys. He yeah, stands yeah, yeah. up and he's like, ah, he's going crazy. And I was like, that's Mickey Dolenz yeah. from the monkeys. He's got like the love beads on. And yeah, everything he's like got that. like the yeah. whole the yeah, hippie yeah. outfit. Yeah, yeah. The, the monkeys at Monterey. Right, right. All kinds of monkeys. <laughs> Why, Why did they, they play? play? Yeah. I, I don't know. They would have went bananas. People would have been crazy. They would have uh, gone bananas for the I, monkeys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I have them. I do. I have them in my... We'll get to them. I have them in my notes of artists who didn't didn't show up okay. and why. So, um, Anything else we need to say about Ravi Shankar? No. You do you want to play any Do you want to play? I, I can play some of his performance from that. Can you play it where he tears it up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's like two hours in. Yeah, we're going to make everybody listen to two hours. Imagine you're at Monterey. It's <laughs> Sunday morning. You know, you're hung over a little bit, and you walk into the festival, and you hear this. Peaking, yeah. I'd be like sat there for at least forty five minutes, and then I'd be like, "All right, let's go look at t shirts, dude." It's like kind of like when you go to Dead Show, they have a Space Jam. Uh, yeah, imagine right. three hours of that. Christ, Christ, they're playing mighty. drums in space. Yeah, inside yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see any of that? Yeah, dude. Oh, Jesus imagine Christ, imagine being at a show. Yeah. That's, it's it's interesting. You know, it's like I was like, "All right, cool, man." It's it's a different type of music. I thought it was interesting to see how. He was really like he's got his eyes closed and his head's going back yeah, and forth. Like he was really yeah, tearing yeah. it up. Like his hands are moving really fast. It's also just not my. It's yeah, just not no, my style. It was definitely music. somewhere else. It, it like, seems. You know. It seems like it's a really difficult instrument to play. Yeah. Uh, it's not like yeah. every. You know, maybe yeah. if you have like guitar background, it'd be easier for you. Yeah. Just it, not. Just not my. Not my style yeah, of music. But at the same time, it was a, definitely a staple. In the 60s, the sitar, mm-hmm. you know, like with, you know, of course, the Beatles and him and like the Stones did it, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think the Birds yeah, had some, it was some a big, it was published a, Springfield, one of those other bands I had think, some. I think people were really intrigued by that sound for a, for, for a minute. For, the, for that culture. Yeah. Even in the culture now, if they, the leftover hippies. Yeah. That's a big part of their yeah. culture. Yeah, I'm sure you go down the Shakedown Street, somebody's out there uh, playing a sitar somewhere. It's own nitrous. Yeah, and I guess every couple of years you get some of that stuff comes back. Like Eddie Vedder had a, was really into um, Nursat Fata Ali Khan. You know, he did some Pearl Jam did some kind of stuff with sure. some Indian yeah, yeah. stuff, and uh, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that it inspires uh, musicians, popular musicians, and artists. Like it, it might start making them thinking differently. I, you know, writing different kind of songs. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's maybe a lot of meditations going on. Sure, it's definitely a great music to meditate on. Yeah. yeah, it makes you realize that there's a whole other world of music out yeah. there that's you know culturally just so different. But you know, but like at least like I said, like you know, Robbie's playing in that. He's somewhere else. Like you know, his head's flying around. Everybody, he's everybody not, is. Yeah, but he's really somewhere else. But he definitely yeah. fits in the Monterey. Absolutely, he definitely. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's not like absurd that he's yeah. there. But it's still like a new concept. You know, it's, it's, still, it's newer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, shit. The Beatles just came out in 65. Yeah. It's 67 yeah. now. I mean, you went from yeah, yeah, yeah to the fucking sitar. sitar. Right. I mean, like I, said, yeah. like I said earlier in the show, Sgt. Pepper came out like a week before Monterey happened. Right. 
Right. And he's sitting on the stage like he's he's sitting Indian style, you know, he's bare feet, he's there's like pillows all around him. Like he would they get the whole yeah. the whole kind of different cultural experience. Yeah. So yeah. He sold a lot of albums too. I think George yeah. Harrison helped them out on that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know. All right, you want to move on to Sunday night? Sunday night. I think it was the best night. Yeah, so here's a list of the artists. The Blues Project, Big Brother and the Holding Company, The Group with No Name, Buffalo Springfield, The Who, The Grateful Dead, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, The Mamas and the Papas, Scott McKenzie, and then The Mamas and the Papas with Scott McKenzie. God, let's start with The Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah man. You, you want to you bust your the, load right? Get, get well, some. maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, let's start no, with no, them. Go for it. Because I think they're, yeah. I think they're really interesting. Because like, a, a lot of people don't, it, it, you don't hear about it a lot that they were that they played there. You don't hear it at all because they're not in the movie. Yeah. They would not sign the paperwork for them to be in the movie, and they're not in the Woodstock movie either or the soundtrack. They and don't I, need to be though. No like, shit. Yeah, I mean, they don't need. They, they say they bombed. They bombed the big gigs. Yeah. They said they bombed Monterey. Yeah. And they bombed Woodstock. Yeah. I, I listened to a. Um, I was trying to find some other podcasts to listen to about some research just to hear the other perspective. And there's another show where these guys, um, there's a, a company criteria called Criterion that puts out these like box sets of movies and they try to review every single thing this company's done. So they did a review of the box set of this and the guys were talking about, they were so, they were so fucking wrong on so much. Like mm-hmm. the one dude first, he complained that Otis Redding didn't play sitting on the dock of the bay. And then they were talking about like, well, they, they right. don't know what they're talking about. Right. Then. And then the Who and Hendrix played back to back. And I was like No, they didn't. Right. I was like, the dead the played in between them. Yeah. Played in between them. Man, what a fucking show that would have been. But it's like who who so those guys and I was gonna actually was gonna tweet them from our um our account. Yeah, because we're really like, good at that. Yeah, the episode was like <laughs> the episode was like six years old and I was like, and I don't need to I don't need to make another mistake <laughs> tweeting at anybody like what I messed up with the Make It Stop podcast. But who the hell made the decision to put the dead between the Who and Jimi Hendrix? I think it's a good chill time. I think yeah. I think the dead were just so blown away by the Who and you know, um the weekend they're like, you know, obviously they're supplying the party, you know, and, and they're just totally brain dead. So do you think I, like, forgive me for asking this, but were the Grateful Dead the superior band of popularity between Hendrix and the Who? Even though no the, way, no, no way. They were just are like they another, still like a niche? No, I I believe they are like definitely the culture of the hippie culture. Um, they've never been like a top ten band or anything like that. But they're like the on, vet- like they're the veterans of these acts. In America, yeah, well, yeah, because they already had their own following by then. The Dead already had a pretty oh, yeah. great big yeah, following. Had a following. So if the hippies by- are rolling in, like the Hate Ashbury <clears throat> crowd, right? That's that's them. Yeah, right? yeah. And there's a couple other bands that well, are there. That's but- what I think. Monterey, if they if they um, did anything on, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Popularized or mm-hmm. commercialized or anything like that was the hippie movement. Like they sure. sure. Everyth- yeah. Like the, the clothes, the knickknacks, the hats, the, the bandanas, to the yeah, beads. Yeah, the, it's you like know, the same going into the same thing as the grunge era with the flannels yeah, and everything like, like that. Like it was just starting, mm-hmm. and the Grateful Dead was the pioneers of that, along with Airplane, sure, and um, Holding Company. But they were definitely, if they wanted to show the culture, they would play the Dead. See, that's what I really like. That's why I asked <clears> that question. Like, you know. The Grateful Dead, 
even by this point, had a huge following. So I give them all the credit in the world for playing in the middle of both the Hendrix and the Who because you had people who showed up just to see the Grateful Dead, even though we have all these great acts, especially on that, like on this day. But for them to play in the middle of these two, the middle, this, the middle of this sandwich, I love that because they might have been like, oh, well, this band's great and this band's the future and this guy's the future and here we are. Dang. So let's get everybody the opportunity to see these. Let's hear Dead Song. Yeah. What do you want to hear? You got a couple on the playlist. Put the Viva La Blues. Viola Lee Blues? Yes. You got it. Doing research for the show, did you listen to a little bit more Grateful Dead than you usually do? I didn't. Um, I think I probably listened to a little bit more Grateful Dead than you think I do. Okay, so, okay, yeah. all right, because we never really discussed yeah, it. Yeah. You know, Bruce was talking about the Dead all week, and then Bruce is a very te- intelligent about the whole <laughs> that, that, movement. That, he read the Acid Kool Aid Test. That you know, that mm, book is yeah. Yeah, amazing. I have, I have a copy of this somewhere. You know, He's seen the Dead and Company a few times. Oh, did you? Yeah. And he's yeah. seen further, which was well, Bob. Yeah, yeah. I, I never knew that. Yeah. Okay. I, I apologize, we've sir. I didn't to, know that you were. We, uh, we've seen. You and I went to Not Splintered Sunlight. One of the other. Who's the other? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. We went and saw. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. We went and saw. We went to the Keswick. Dark Star. Dark Star, on, Dark Star Orchestra. Yeah. The I, Keswick. Didn't know I forgot about yeah. that. We saw Dude, Dark Star. At yeah. The Electric Factory. Yeah. Dude, I was tripping my fucking <laughs> face off. Well, how come you never been to one of Grateful Dead shows? when? Because I only been to go into Dead shows for how many years now? Eight ten. years? Ten years? I, you know, the last you, time I saw them was with. Um, it was like six years ago with uh with John, it was like the first tour John Mayer played okay. with them. I, I yeah. had tickets. Uh, my wife and I went. And Jess was just she was like I I don't get it. She, she was bored. Like, yeah, she was. Are you bored didn't. at a point? Um, sometimes with their stuff. You know, you don't you don't smoke grass. Yeah, you don't do anything. You like to drink a beer. Yeah. Do you go to a dead show? It's like all right, this is boring. Um, I I had more fun watching the people, but then I also got I got really annoyed. <laughs> I got annoyed really yeah. quickly yeah. at some of the people. Some of the deadheads are such assholes. Yeah, they, yeah. like it's, I I get more better response out of people at a metal show than yeah. I do at a dead show or a fish show. Those entitled bastards are just. I ugh. think it's I think it's worse at a dead show than a fish oh, yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um. If you haven't heard yet, the Grateful Dead's going to play Citizen Bank Park in August. I think it's like August 3rd. And uh, me and Ryan briefly talked about it. But can you imagine what that's going to look like? It's going to be awesome. The parking yeah, lot like, alone will just be crazy. We're just going to we're just gonna um, tailgate at McCusker's. Yeah. Just, just yeah, <laughs> tailgate here and then uh, shoot over to the stadium it's and just kind of walk August. around the parking lot. It's going to be August. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that shit. Yeah, those guys, a lot of those fans don't don't bathe to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> so well, be- that's what I mean. Like, you go to a, you go to a dead show. Some people and may- it's... Some people may have no idea what the Grateful Dead show is. It's it's a still a traveling show of the 60s. Yeah. You can go to a Grateful Dead show and know what going to Woodstock is like. Yeah. Um, between seeing great music, you get this vibe. You're, yeah. You, you, you know, the vibe is what sells everything. Yeah. 
Um, people are very nice to each other. I mean, you know, you get a lot of entitled tapers. You got a lot of guys. Well, I've seen them in '67. It's like, oh, right. you, didn't, you never saw Jerry. Like, Sorry, dude, I was fucking five. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know. But they are entitled dudes. Yeah. I find like the cultural phenomenon of them and what they represent in the, the, the music industry and how they conduct themselves as a as a business yeah. is just fascinating to me. Because I think at one point, man, when they broke up, when Jerry died, they were like, like, I forget the exact number, but they were like one of the, like the 50 largest like companies in California. Oh, when yeah. They, oh, when sure. they, and it was yeah. like, I forget what the number was. It was high. Like how much like revenue that they and how they they didn't want to really keep touring but they felt like they had to because all these people were dependent upon them being on the road for their business well i think that what ultimately killed jerry like they wouldn't give them a chance to rest they want to get a chance to get clean they were just like we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go and he felt the responsibility of this machine and people getting paid you know he felt responsibility for these people so he would stretch himself out and he ultimately died from it yeah and it's not even the people like the people in the band going on tour it was like the people that follow him around and make no. like their arts and crafts and stuff they're yeah, like if we don't a, go on the road they're they're not doing anything there's a big thing called shakedown street and um <clears throat> they sell everything from like anything hippie eyes you want you can get i i really have a lot of like respect to the way that the grateful dead do their business i guess they had that 50th anniversary show at soldiers field in chicago in Chicago and you know in the world of the internet and getting your tickets and ticket master and that they still had a big portion of tickets through mail-in it was yeah. all mail it was a lot of mail order. yeah it was a lot of Which mail order great. dude that's great they were showing um the envelopes that people were sending in for mail order so they they would pick the envelope they would put this amazing artwork on oh, it yeah that's cool so because they they would only get like maybe a couple thousand tickets yeah and then you got like twenty five thousand people asking for tickets i was at a party it was like they had they played those couple nights at soldier field mm-hmm. and they had they were they were live streaming them on the internet yeah. yeah and i was at a buddy's house and it was like friday night and we were sitting out by his pool and we were watching it and the guy was like he's an enormous dead fan and he was like man i wish i was there and i was like yeah dude it's only six o'clock, dude. Go go to the airport. <laughs> and after we had a couple beers, he literally he no. fucking left. Did he really? That night, no kidding. He drove to the air. He bought. He pulled out his phone. He booked a flight at like ten o'clock at night, and he flew out to fucking Chicago like on a whim with one of his buddies. Did and he was get like, in? He but, didn't. Yeah, like, there's no way. There. I was like, yeah. hey, like, dude, just just to have that to sure. be part. Screw of it. it, dude. Let's. Yeah. Just, I have yeah. to be there. Let's go. He's one of those. He's one of those guys. He's like seen him like eighty times. Yeah. And, I but tried there, though. I tried to go, and it was impossible to get tickets. Yeah. I was like, it was you... easier to get the hotel room yeah. than it was to get tickets. And I was like, well, you got the story, right? And he was like, no. you know, but um, and then they hear... wound up going on tour. But he got to hear it, though, outside Soldier's I think Field. So, yeah. yeah. Like, that's worth it. That's all right. Uh, yeah. That's... I was like, just a story. Yeah. Just like, screw yeah. it. Let's just go right yeah. now. Let's yeah. just go get on a flight. Sure. I'm a big Grateful Dead fan. I have a Grateful Dead tattoo. I was disappointed into in the 50th anniversary. I thought it was really the, the, the songs they picked were awful. Yeah. And um, Trey Anastasio is, was playing Jerry. Yeah. And they would not let him sing. Phil Lesh fucking sang yeah. all the fucking Fuck songs. Phil. And Phil can't fucking sing. Yeah. He pulled rank that whole, yeah. all weekend he pulled rank. And to me, the the farewell, to, the, to me, the, that concert was a, was awful. Like, I have it at home. I was watching it. Like, people watch football. What the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. Why the fuck are they playing this? I was so hyped about, you know, Trey playing with the dead. And I thought the Phil Lesh 
ultimately ruined that weekend. Well, you know, you've always said you always thought that Phil pushed Jerry too much. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, you, when it came to the company and, you know, giving people jobs and yeah. everything like that, Phil was on board for it. And, I, and I think with that mail order thing, that was a big Phil push. It was I, all Phil. And his wife, like, his, runs, wife, yeah. his wife wanted to, to be the manager. Yeah. Um, well, I read circling back to Monterey, that they were really skeptical of all of it, and a couple of times they threatened to just go do their own festival, they could. like the same day, like down the street, because they yeah. just uh, they just weren't they they just didn't they weren't enjoying the vibes they were getting from how it was going to be put yeah. together. I think they were seeing it getting commercialized, and they were like, nah, "This ain't happening." This was going to first be like a San Francisco thing. And now you're bringing all these bands out here, and now you're making a fucking movie. Right. And you're charging yeah. for tickets, tickets. And they wanted – a lot of the San Francisco bands wanted it to be completely free for everybody. But that's why they, like, they wouldn't sign anything. They try to – like not erase themselves from the history of the thing, but it just like, – They yeah, wouldn't sign anything for anything. Yeah. yeah. They were so unorganized. Man, they're lucky for them to even show up and play this thing. You know, even – They were there. Well, yeah. you know, their sound guy was there at the acid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bear. They're responsible for the whole thing, for everybody having the performances that they had. That's yeah. a good point, though. Like, they're not, you don't remember them musically. And unless you're really taking a look at it, you know, like yeah. we did to learn that, that Alfley was there, you don't know it, but you sure as shit know his influence on everything, sure. right? It's all, I mean, it's, they're, they're influenced by them being there with him yeah. is all over this, this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, talking about influence, you really like sitting at home listening to country music. You, know, you like to sit out, listen to the yeah. fire. Um, you may not even know about this song, but this gives a nice feel for what the dead is, and it's called Direwolf. Yep, I and, know this song. Okay, yeah, but people, people may not know what the Grateful Dead's about. You, you think you know? Maybe this will give you an idea. Did they play this at at Monterey? No, it's just more of like, hey guys, listen okay. to this song. Cool. Listen to the Grateful Dead. I, yeah, this is my opportunity. <laughs> I think they are the hardest band to classify in like the history of rock and roll. But no. you know, let me shut up and get out of the way. Well, well, well before you, yeah. they say like we're not the we're not the best at what we do. We're the only ones that do what we do. Yes, I've heard them you say know. that. I mean, so. they are such they were such influenced by blues. They're such a ho- yeah. hardcore blues band. Yeah, but here's this acoustic side of them, country. So hard and cold, froze ten feet beneath the ground. Don't murder me, I beg of you. Don't murder me, please don't murder me. I like to, you know, think, you know, the warden Rob Owens is out there, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know anything about the Grateful Dead. So I'm just trying to show Rob some songs. Rob, if you're listening, check out the Grateful Dead. Check out our playlist. And they, they have, we had, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And they still play that song. Like you know, they play with John Mayer, but it has a little bit of different feel to it. You yeah, know? John but it's Mayer, still great though. John Mayer now plays with Dead and Company. Yeah, and it's not the same. It's 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 too slow for my likings. It drags, and his voice isn't that great. But it's really funny, like, you know, I'm not a John Mayer fan, not even a little bit, but I've seen him five or six times with the yeah, with I'm the, going the every time. Yeah. I'm, I'm going, going every yeah. time. And it's a, like, you know, I've, I've never seen the dead, like, back in the day. 
But I love the I, I love what he brings to the band. He's an amazing musician, John yeah, Mayer. He, yeah, he's a really yeah. good guitar oh, player. Yeah. He definitely does great job in 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 the band. Does he sound like Jerry? No, no. 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 Yeah. But I don't think no. he's trying to no. either. That was what was different with the when we went and saw further. They had a Jerry clone. Yeah. yeah, like he was. He sound like Jerry and. That's why Further was awesome. This is totally different. Didn't Joan Osborne sing, sing for the dead? She did. She sang for, they had the Further tour, mm-hmm. and she sang on that tour, but then she also sang backup for when they were called just the dead. Right. Did you ever see her perform with the dead? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She played in Camden. It How was, was it? fucking awesome. Yeah, everybody I ever talked to that saw Joan Osborne play with the Grateful Dead said it was the closest thing to hmm. Jerry. Am I right about that? It was a nice vibe. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything. I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, with Jerry because I was too young. Yeah, but from what I gathered, that was a great show. I remember I, that show. I wish I would have seen it. I liked her. Yeah. I mean, that one. I, she, I don't you know, ever need to hear that one song no, ever again. No. But the rest of that album was, yeah. was solid. But after she did that, the Dead community totally adopted her. That's yeah. the thing. It's like once you play with the Dead or you make a move with them. The deads, deadheads will follow you that whole time. John Mayer has a bunch of deadheads that follow him now. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you go to like I think John Mayer actually played um, <clears throat> like a, a, a fall tour, and he did like the Wells Fargo Center and this net. And I think he did play a, a dead song. He probably did. I mean, he he has, now he has two drummers. Yeah, you know he. But good for him. He reinvented himself. You know, I think his solo shit isn't good at all. Yeah, I don't like it. No, I don't no, like, his, I don't like his voice. It's poppy. His you know? voice is really not. Yeah, but I, I, I don't mind what he does for a Grateful Dead. But I do understand why people don't dislike him because a lot of people are not on board with John yeah. Mayer. You know, but a lot of people are. Well, people, the Deadheads are a bunch of assholes. Yeah, I but, can say I'm one of them. But you know, but like you said, we're always going to go. As long as they don't, tour, we're always going to go. It and doesn't my matter. whole thing is, you want to trash them? Don't fucking go. Yeah, it's easier for me to get tickets. <laughs> exactly. Right. Don't I'm go. with you. Yeah, then don't go. But going back to Monterey, you know, um, the Grateful Dead played three songs. They ultimately crashed and burned that set. Um, they were totally against anything organized. I'm sure it was driving them fucking crazy. Yeah. Before we get into some of the other bands, I, I mentioned as we were listing the groups, there was an, a band who played called The Group With No Name, and I, tried, I was like, who the hell yeah, is that? Yeah, I was wondering that myself. They said it was literally, off, yeah. it was a band that got pulled together like a couple weeks before that, and they didn't have a name. So they like, that. Like I was like, is that the shtick? It was like, oh no, they just, they literally don't have a name. Couldn't find anything about them. No recordings on YouTube. Everything I read said they were absolutely terrible. Good Man. for them to get in, to get their foot in the door. They yeah. scammed their way in a, there. Especially on a... Day like Sunday with all those bands, yeah. So forget about it. They had to know somebody. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I read the name. I saw the names of the people. I didn't recognize any of them, and I didn't. I didn't find like who did they know? How did they get in? But it was like just a bunch of dudes that just threw a band together really, That's, really quickly. And they you never, think they would put a better band together? Yeah. Just looking around. All right, we got Mickey Dalton's here. <laughs> right. We got right. Brian Jones here. Was anybody significant in that band? No. 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 They must have knew somebody. They must yeah. have knew. They needed you. somebody, yeah. and they've, it's just been forgotten to history. So just you know, and they were absolutely every every review I read, anything that I saw that mentioned them said they were the worst performance of the entire weekend. Man, you know? this sounds like a bad movie. This sounds like a good bad movie. Yeah, right. Well, you know, along with a lot of bad, uh, you know, along with a lot of good acts come bad acts. Sure, sure. Look good about, for them. Yeah. You want to talk about the Who? Yes. Let's start smashing shit. 
Man, you said Ravi Shankar was offended by the Who smashing their instruments. Yeah. So, I I mean, I I wrote, this is not hippie music in my notes. No, I mean, the Who totally gave one of the most memorable performances at Monterey. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we talked about my generation in the episode around punk music. I mean, that, mm. that's like a proto-punk. Yeah. yeah. That's a garage rock proto-punk song. They yeah. played that song, and then after that, they closed with that, and they smashed all their instruments. Do they? Do you guys have a set list of what the Who played at Monterey? Yeah. Just kind of curious of what the vibe that they were. They played yeah. Summertime Blues. Okay. They played... Um, that's that's in there. You know, that's, that's in that time, you know, that sound of yeah, what's going on that weekend. That's when... Yeah. Yeah. Substitute, Summertime Blues, Pictures of Lily, A Quick One While He's Away, Happy Jack, and In My Generation, parentheses, with instrument smashing. Wow. You know, a lot of the Who stuff that I like didn't come out until the 70s. Uh, no, I agree with you. Um, yeah. The early Who stuff is too, too like, British. Um, Henry the Eighth yeah. Volume. Yeah. I've heard you say that But before. that's my problem with the Stones early in their career. Again, I was thinking the same exact thing. He's, I, I, I read something... Um, that VH1 documentary you mentioned, Pete Townsend was on it, and he said he didn't know how they were going to be accepted because he said that, like, my generation, he's like, my my generation, the generation in that song isn't this generation I'm singing for. He's like, it's the mods in Britain, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. the British, yeah. and he's like, they were really apprehensive. Um, I thought it was interesting, too. They had a, a shit ton of money invested in England in, like, their equipment. And they didn't bring any of it over, like their their amps and everything, because they were they realized how expensive it was going to be. So they borrowed all this, and they like, fucking the, all the amps. And then they, yeah, at the end of my generation, man, they smash all the shit. And you can see the videos. They set off like smoke bombs, mm-hmm. and you see the crew run out and they start grabbing all the microphones, so sure, because they're yeah. afraid they're going to get wrecked because yeah. yeah. the next artists have to use yeah. them. And um, Keith Moon like kicks his guitar, like he or his Keith drums. Moon blows up. He. I, he he There's like a firecracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fucking. Can you imagine? Yeah, he hurt. He, he hurt his they ankle or something. They didn't want to go on before Hendrix. They were like, "Fuck that. We know what he does. Let's yeah. go on before him." Yeah, yeah, they said they got in an argument. And they wound up flipping a coin backstage over who was going to go first. Because I mean, I think the who the who is not obviously as memorable as the Hendrix set. No, not at all. But you know, it surprises me that that was their first American. American yeah, I didn't know that. performances. Yeah, I didn't know that prior to that. Yeah, I mean '67. Yeah, but it's also like, of course they're gonna they're like they're gonna remember us. We're gonna make sure yeah, they, they remember totally us. Did. By know? by by Woodstock, they almost headlined Woodstock. Yeah. They played all Tommy at Woodstock. Yeah. yeah, you know that's how close they are to that. Let's play. Uh, I'll play a little bit of my generation. So this is from the Live at Leeds album, but you get the you get the the vibe of what this sounds like live back then. Man, everybody's tripping balls and they come out. But everybody's tripping balls. But okay, you know, you talk about Rob, like people were not very happy that the who was playing there now here you have a set like a a a vibe set in this whole weekend and it's all like kind of the beginning of this peace and love and this chill out thing and then you have this band come out with this music that's 
definitely more aggressive than any other band there. It's political in a very negative way. Uh, it's just com- something. It's something that definitely sticks out. Yeah, I you, think, you sat through three hours of Ravi Shankar. Yeah, and then I think that I would smash my shit too. <laughs> um, but I think I think the Who had um, a very peace love sound Earl in the sixties. Before I think they, this is when they were changing into something yeah. differently. When they wrote my generation, yeah. like I said earlier, a lot of their songs were very. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, like that, that song always sets a tone for what's going on. I just, in my opinion, I just think it's it's a very different feel than what it was it's going a punk on rock there. Song. Exa- exactly, it's a punk rock song. Everybody's yeah. being hippies, and they're yeah, coming and here out. They come out with this aggressiveness. And aggressiveness nobody's ever you know? seen people smash guitars yeah. before. Do you think people were sitting around like? This is kind of violent. No, or, they were shocking. It was yeah, probably one yeah. of the sh- most shocking moments in in music history. Yeah, for for like an hour. Yeah, right. They until just, until they, Hendrix comes they, out, they were just smashing shit and smashing shit. You see them on stage, and you know you, you see that people start grabbing pieces of the guitar and yeah. that. It's like, oh, we put these shit back together. Yeah, <laughs> I, I read that too that their guitar tech said they yeah, put it all yeah, back together. No, I read that. How the hell do they keep that neck straight? Yeah. Like, you know? Well, that was like, you know, not, not to break off from the subject, but the smashing of instruments, like Mike Anthony from Van Halen, like he would smash his bass over center and it's, it's a prop. Like, it yeah. always, like okay. they, you have a guy going around picking up all the, the, the screws and things like that. To put it know? back together. Like, yeah, like I know, like you have a sweet spot where it yeah, breaks. Yeah, but Mike Anthony then you had a hinge on the thing, and you would usually do it with his uh, thing. But it's 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 show business. It's a, it's it's a show shtick. business. Yeah. yeah. But no, but they, they really famous. blew up their shit though. Like they, they, they were, really they were famous for yeah doing that shit, and they yeah. finally did it in America. Yeah. And just that alone busted out the you know aggression. It became punk rock. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, basically, like ten years later, punk rock came in. That's a good point, but that's like like I was going back like to that to that weekend. They're like aliens. Like I know we're going to talk about Hendrix and everything like that, but they're it's like Hendrix and the Who for performance is like apples and oranges. In yeah, my, in my opinion. Yeah, and then you, you know? got the Grateful Dead. In the yeah, middle. then he has the Grateful Dead in the middle. Holy shit! And it's like all right, let's uh, kind of chill everybody out. You know, it didn't work. Do you think <laughs> they bombed? They said yeah. they bombed. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I saw Phil Lesh say that, and he said they stunk. Yeah, but all right, Hendrix. Man, this is another one of those performances. Like, if you listen to this, you got to watch it. You yeah. got to see it because yeah. he. You said before he looks like an alien. I mean, he comes out and he is in that 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 he, real hippie outfit. He's in a different. He's in a different like universe. And they made posters out of him at this performance. I was yeah. going to say like the, his picture of him burning his guitar is probably the most famous picture of his career yeah. and of this whole of this whole. Um, Weekend. Well, yeah. you know, people don't know. Jimi Hendrix was this was he is American. Jimi Hendrix. He played a bunch of gigs with um, Little Richard and all that Chitlin circuit. So Hendrix is a better guitar player than anybody in America. Yeah, he played for James Brown too. Yeah, yeah. So he jumps on a plane to England after somebody. I forget who discovered him. Somebody from a hippie band. Yeah, and brought him to Europe. Brought him to England, and he fucking plugged in, and he blew all those guitar players away. Well, you know, because that's where everything was like popping off, like that British invasion. I don't think that America, like, if he would have done that in live performances in a bar somewhere, people are like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You I, know, I think there's more acceptable over there for the expression of 
just I don't he definitely did smash guitars in England. Yeah. But this one was the most famous one. Yeah. Yeah. But like just his aggressiveness and the use of like like with Townsend. Like it was more it was more accepted, I would imagine, because that's the kind of like sounds that Hendrix was making. They were trying to do out yeah, in England. And Hendrick's like, Hey America, I'm back. Yeah. And I'm setting it on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And he's you know? playing he's playing left handed. A right, right, a right-handed, a right-handed guitar, guitar left-handed, yeah. and he's got the outfit. He's he's an African. He's a black guy. Yeah, you know, and he's not playing that traditional like blues stuff. I mean, he's just like out of this world, and it's, just just even the way he's you see him on the stage is the way he looks and the, like his facial expressions and the way his hands are moving. It just it's it's a totally new ball game. Yeah, everything he, is different. He, he revolutionized the guitar. It, mm. People never looked at it the way he did. What did he use? A Vox fuzz pedal. Yeah. And they were around, but people made it sound like noise. But he put um, a wah-wah pedal yeah. on it to control the volume. Yeah. So, so a lot of his sounds was coming out of wow. That heavy distortion is such a Hendrix Can thing. Can you play a little Jimmy from Monterey? Yeah, Rock Me Baby? Yeah, listen yeah, to this version of yeah. Rock Me Baby. I love that version of Rock Me Baby. I've known about that version for a million years. Like, Hendrix like, co- did a lot of covers, like, live covers. And he always made them his own songs, man. Yeah. Like, they, he made them his own thing. And, like, you know, every time I, I hear Hendrix, like, it never gets old to me. It's like, man, this guy is what we call in the business. This guy's a motherfucker. Like, he is mean? a motherfucker. He's and, the original motherfucker. Yeah. Nobody did what he did before him. And... Like, uh, Steve Ray Vaughan did a great job, like, but nobody could touch him. You made, you, know? a, you made a good point when he makes songs his own, because the song that he smashes his instruments for is Wild Thing, right? right. And that's like... Yeah. That's the, a cover. And that's yeah. like the classic garage rock sound, yeah. and mm-hmm. the basis of garage rock is like dudes that don't know how to play the instruments. And here's this guy who's this amazing virtuoso who's pushing the limit on every other song, and he's playing that song that's famous because it... it it does sound really rough. Yeah. And he's taking it to this whole nother artistic level. Because he's a garage band guy. But you know? he has like he has his own reputation to behold. Like he always has to go one above. Like he has a famous story. Um Jimi Hendrix got the Sgt. Pepper album the day it came out. That night he opened with Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. Like he he was a master yeah. of learning songs and doing it his, his own way. I want to say he played the whole album, dude, because I've heard that story before. I and don't like, know. And I don't he, know. And you had um, who was in the crowd? Like uh, Eric Clapton was in the crowd, and McCartney was there also when he did it. And McCartney was kind of like, "Man, this took us friggin' six months ago. Yeah. It was out for one day. Here he is playing and playing McCart- on stage. And McCartney's the one who, when he's on the board of directors for this show, he says, you guys got to have Jimi Hendrix to. play yeah. this. He said, because he just saw it. Like, everybody saw, like, everybody's out of the job when they, they yeah. see Hendrix play for the first time. And the one-upsmanship, yeah. too. I was, I went, I went kind of far down the, like, the story of, like, why he burned the guitar. They said he was, he had planned to smash his instrument, mm-hmm. and then he saw the Who do it, and he was just like, okay, I'm going to think of something else. And he, um, 
he swapped out his guitar right before he plays Wild Thing because um, he he I guess he uh, he had the same thing. They put the guitar they would put the guitar back together, but mm-hmm. then he gets the lighter fluid and he lights the the thing on fire. Well, it's still plugged in too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You and, hear the strings like pluck. Yeah, yeah. and then he um, I mean he he plays Wild Thing. He lights the guitar on. Well, first he starts like you know he's holding it up against the amp and he's playing he's all like, the feedback. Looks like he's like having sex with it. Yeah, yeah. He's, like banging up against yeah. the amp. Nobody's yeah. ever seen anything like yeah. this. He starts stroking the guitar, right the the neck of it, yeah. and then he 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 straddles it and he's writhing his hips. And I was talking, I made the in my notes that um when we were talking about Wendy Williams in the in the last episode, that she got arrested for doing shit mm, like yes. this, and yeah. so he's doing it. And then he yeah he he pours the lighter fluid on it. And he's he's raising he's like moving it like he's summoning yeah, magic out of the guitar. It's one of the most memorable moments Absolute, in rock yeah. and roll. Absolutely, because he's trying to symbolize the soul of the guitar. It's like, like, you know, you see like, it everywhere. You see yeah. you see that image of him doing. They caught that picture that moment perfectly. Yeah. I Which, think, and I think people think that was Woodstock. I, don't I think no, I agree with you. People, it was I, at one time, I did also. Yeah, you know, I I um, know that Jimmy has done the burning guitar gimmick before monterey okay um but you know him doing it took it one further than the who could smash you could smash you could smash smash all shit all day i'm gonna light this motherfucker on fire somebody somebody in this camp's like hey jimmy do the burning thing oh okay i'll I'll do the burning jimmy's like i'm gonna fuck these motherfuckers up and i thought it was cool like he because then when he lights it on fire he stands up and he's like he's smiling. Yeah, I would and he too. starts like he like he nods to a couple. Like he gets the attention of somebody in the crowd and was like, "Hey, do you want a piece of this?" And he's handing out the pieces sure. of the guitar. Yeah. So yeah. then I was like, "Where are those?" Somebody has it. So I found one. There's one piece in a museum in it's, Seattle yeah, called yeah, the Experience Music Project. The guitar strap got auctioned off for forty five thousand dollars in 2011, and the other pieces are just kind of. Floating I, I around, yeah, they're they're kind of lost to history. Because if you see, I also seen that it's in Seattle, piece of the guitar, and it's the famous guitar that he painted. On. It was hand painted, mm-hmm. and it was you, a you can see the corner, and it's like that famous paint. He put job like flowers that he did on, on it. it, dude. I'm gonna get out there and check. I gotta get out and see Jimmy's grave to begin with. Yeah, out in Seattle, um, his father finally won all the copywriting to Jimmy's music. And he built this huge memorial thing yeah. for Jimmy's grave. Well, that that I remember that happened. That happened like in the in the nineties. Yeah, and that's when they came out with Voodoo Soup or something like that. They, yeah, they had a whole bunch of release. Next album's great, yeah. dude. Yeah, they put a bunch. They put a blues album out. Yeah, they, which is a great yeah, album. Yeah, they're like those albums that came out like in the nineties and the late nineties. They are great albums, man. It was great. Like a lot of things were in the vault, and Jimmy's yeah. dad was like, "No, they're they belong to me." Like that, was, and was he the, fought a long time for it. Was the band of Gypsies part of that? The band of Gypsies come out like prior after the experience. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Experience. You ever listen to like Machine Gun? Yeah. And all? That's a great album. Yeah, it's a great live album anyway. Yeah. But like you know, one thing like we have to talk about, like his voice is great. Yeah, you know I mean, it's like his his roots of like the blues and everything like that are in there. And my opinion, again, nobody does it better than him. Yeah, he's got a kind of like a like a smoky quality to his voice, and I mean like smoke like a cigarette smoky, not Smokey Robinson. Gra- he's not the greatest no. singer, but like Dylan, he's a stylist. Yeah, sure. for his yeah. for his sound, his voice, but like really a lot works. of like even like today, Ryan had a band Ob- Albino Red, and Ryan's uh, guitar player, good friend of our buddy Timmy, and he does Hendrix better than Hendrix, like the voice wise. Yeah. Every he would do that song "Rock Me Baby" that we just played, um, 
and he would go into total Jimmy moves. Yeah. Like he'd do, like from the Monterey, move for move. Like he'd get down on his knees. The only thing he didn't do was fucking lay his guitar on fire. He couldn't afford it. He, played, you know, he had a nice guitar. Yeah. He has nice guitars. It's funny. But no, I think that he, um, Hendrix, like, we're, like, just like the Beatles, 50 years from now, people are still going to talk about Jimmy yeah, Hendrix. Absolutely. I think any kid that picks up a guitar should be the first thing he has is the Jimi Hendrix experience. Yeah. Just that first fucking album going into the Monterey Pop Festival sure. is unbelievable. And the, 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 um, the revol- what it means is like the um the revolution or the uh the rebellion of rock and roll. I mean, is there anything more rebellion in rock and roll than Jimmy Hendrix lighting his guitar on no, fire? No. You know, Not even crazy. who like smashing their instruments or anything yeah, like that. I, I think I think Hendrix lighting his guitar on fire, that's like the pinnacle of it. That's that's like an art thing though, too. Yeah, you know I mean I, that's more like artistic, you know. I think he sees the moment. Like he saw here's my moment. The the, the movie cameras are rolling. How am I gonna now? The Who came out, smashed all their shit. How am I gonna one up everybody? Yeah. Do you think he really like kind of had that in mind? Definitely. You think so with that? He was Definitely. like going to like try to like he did it before. I'm gonna make a mark, especially that they were making a movie. Yeah, you know, he, it's gonna be memorial through all life. Yeah, there was no Woodstock yet. There was yeah. none of that shit. There was, was yeah, there wasn't even a lot of live concert uh, concert movies or footage. Yeah. This might have been like one of it the, was first, like the ones. first one. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, I, so that that's almost the end of my. There's one more artist that plays Monterey, and it's the Mamas and the Papas. So they yeah. they closed it because they organized it. Yeah, and also um Scott McKenzie. So Scott McKenzie wrote uh If you're going to San Francisco, he wrote it for this show. Mm-hmm. So I think John Phillips wrote that song for him. Yeah, and then they that became the um uh, the flagship or the advertising song. I don't think it's on your playlist. No, in the show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because they wrote this afterwards, didn't they? No, they he performs it at. Did the, Yeah, he he okay. comes out and he sings it with the mamas and the papas yeah. too. Um, it's not the it's not the best song in the world. Hey, John McCusker, you want to say hi to everybody? Hello, everybody. Say hello to Rob Owens. <laughs> yeah, Rob Owens will like it if you said hi to him. Rob, how did Bobby Abreu do? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, um, yeah. I'll play. I'll play thirty seconds of yeah. Scott McKenzie. Just sure. Yeah, I, I, that was. I don't know if it was the last song that they played. It was. It was really close near the end of the of the show. I, I mean, don't I, know. I, it feels. It feels like it would be a great ending to a whole great weekend. That that song really. That became like the 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 song about that movement and that era. Yeah, and it's, it's, I guess so. Like I, I think the song's a cliche and like it, it grew it became, into that. It became, it became but yeah. the original thought of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm with you though. You know, yeah, the original thought, great yeah. song. Yeah. Normally not my favorite song, but listening to it after listening to all this other stuff and trying to get the vibe, I, I think I, I kind of got it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the, the, it must have been an awesome weekend. Just like listening to the music for the last two weeks gave me a great vibe. Yeah. And the um and the mamas and the papas, they also they did not have a good performance, man. No, they, they, were, they were awful. 
They um, did we say that John Phillips the shitbag of the week? John Phillips is a you know, and he was like we could almost name this after him. We've talked about some bad dudes, you yeah. know, yeah. Mike he's Turner, the, and he's and, the biggest shitbag. Yeah, so ever. he he allegedly had a incestuous relationship with his daughter for ten years, and uh, like she said she, she gave her he gave her like LSD yeah, at she, a young she, age and he shot her up with like heroin and stuff, and then she um. Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah. yeah she was, what, eight, eight is enough or, like, yeah. some shit like that. And she, some got, show. she got pregnant, and she was afraid that it was My, his, and oh. she, she aborted the, the baby because she was afraid that it was a child of incest. And, yeah, he he's... How do you do that? Man. Like, it's just... Scumbag, you know, shitbag of the week. I mean, it, and I, I like the mamas and the papas a lot. Yeah, but I, I listening to their performance of this was not good. They said that they were so tied up in actually planning the show that they didn't rehearse for, like... It's a lot of work. I yeah. can imagine. And no, but they, you put rehearsal in, for God's yeah. sakes. You're, yeah. you know, Wait, how this, much are they really doing, dude? Are they calling... No, the, they're the, using their names. Yeah, they're not They're not out there calling, Every, like, the, uh, the concession guys and this and that. They're... There, there's some stuff in the in the documentary where they're showing them on the phone with some of the artists because they're mm. trying to like some them up. some people are bailing out or you know. And at one point, John Phillips is on the phone and he's like, "I hear," and he gives it to Michelle Phillips and he's like, "You know, can you can you, you talk to this is so and so on the phone?" Um, I don't know. And then they they broke up a couple of months right I after that. I can see why they look like a mess up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it took me a long time. Again, this bar ruined the mamas and the papas for me for a very long time because I guess people were playing because it was kind of funny and people doing mama cast like in, uh, uh, imitation. But like recently doing re- like l- listening to music that we were going to listen today. Like I listened earlier this week. Um, I I do like the mamas and the papas. I think that mama cast without that band. They she wouldn't. Would, they, they would have been nothing without yeah. her. She was the whole talent yeah. of the band. Yeah, I, I mean, the songwriting's a songwriting, but you need someone to sing it. Yeah, let's play "Mamas and the Papas." Yeah, you got uh, Creek Alley on here and "Dancing in the Street." You got a preference? I, I like the "Dancing in the Street." Yeah, okay. they played that at Monterey. Yeah. Yeah, the play the sing harmonies like that, you have to be on. Yeah. And they were just partying all weekend. Yeah. And they just if you see it, they they're like totally a train wreck. Yeah. They're probably like sitting around like, look what we created. Look, like we look, did look, this. Oh, we great? This is the easy part. Let's go up there and play. Yeah. Here's the easy part. Yeah, guess what? Yeah. You know what I thought was really interesting? This has nothing to do Mama so Mama Cass, you know, she died of a heart attack and it was always that story that she yeah. choked on a ham sandwich. I, I always thought that was horrible. That's that awful. People, they people said, still think that. They said like like a doctor or somebody like a doctor that was there like and responded to to when they found mm. her that there was a half eaten ham sandwich there and yeah. the guy made a joke yeah and that became a little bit what an asshole she died in the exact same hotel room as Keith Moon from the Who really? same hotel same same room so there's like yeah. I, I think just I thought I that was trippy before but she has such a low self esteem she was in love with uh, one of the guys from um, the yeah. band. Yeah, yeah, uh, they had some serious dysfunction. Yeah, going they're on a dysfunctional family before before John Phillips. Yeah, became, before like, yeah. Jesus, this might have something freak. to do with it. Yeah, but she had a very low self esteem of herself, and like she died. I think she died like a lonely person. There's one thing like, she has a daughter. Yeah, there was one like she's she doing a, a show, and like she's like, oh, you know, the guy groupies out there. She's like, oh, what's your name? This, that, that. All right, I'm in room two seventeen, and throws him the key, and like you know, hmm. but she had like she yeah she substance abuse. 
Like, yeah. you know, like they're no. they're they're dysfunction. I can't like they're I, the worst out yeah. of hippie bands. And it's just funny because like, yeah, you know, they're they're like a folk, like folkish rock, you they, know, band. Yeah. Just, just imagine how big they were to put on a festival like this mm-hmm. on their reputation. Yeah. yeah. So that's that, man. I got a couple. I've got a, a handful of artists who were supposed to be there and couldn't, mm-hmm. or some artists that like, why weren't they? So okay. the first one, we, you, Doug, you mentioned earlier, was the Beach Boys. So the Beach Boys were actually, they were signed up and they were going to play. And Brian Wilson was on the board, and um, they were actually uh, they bailed out and they they wound up. Uh, John Phillips got the birds to, to fill in for them mm-hmm. at the last minute, and there was a couple different reasons around it. One was um, the Beach Boys were a mess. Sure. At oh, this point, yeah. God, yeah, sixty-seven. Uh, the one yeah. dude was uh, what he was avoiding the draft. He had been drafted, Carl Wilson, Carl, yeah. and he wouldn't go. Well, they and so thought, they were like, "We can't show up on stage because I'll get arrested." Well, they they thought that they were going to come and arrest him on stage. Yeah, that was like that's that was my favorite reason why they didn't do. It, but there was a couple other different reasons. They said going like, to get Brian Wilson out of bed. <laughs> yeah, they said like, and surf music was pretty much over. Yeah, at this I don't point. think they would really fit in anyway. And they were afraid that they were going to um get get booed. Yeah, there they were like the hippies did the hippies didn't yeah. like them. But they could have went up and played Pet Sounds and cause yeah, Pet sounds made sergeant pepper yeah, and yeah. that's that earlier in the week earlier in the show that sergeant pepper came out a week before monterey yeah. but they were so commercialized though you know yeah i mean they also said that they were pissed that initially they thought they were going to be the headliners and they realized that yeah. nobody was getting paid they were, and a huge they were like, band. screw it they're a huge yeah. band you know? yeah um the love and spoonful i was like man that's another like san francisco hot time somewhere oh, in the okay. city yeah yeah like, that's a that's a that's a they don't think. you know um, they're part of that scene though man with the birds and yeah. they were friends with the mamas and the papas um, did they say why didn't it yes be- their guitar player had gotten arrested for marijuana oh. and they didn't want to show up and get in more get trouble because everybody else is smoking yeah. hot yeah. Yeah. magic in there I fucking told you it was gonna <laughs> yeah. be cool um, Zappa. Frank Zappa was asked to play. Really? And he said, I don't respect half of these bands and I won't yeah. I, I won't be there. Saying that. Yeah, I can see him saying that. The Beatles. So the Beatles were invited <laughs> and they said uh they had retired from performing oh, yeah. live. Yeah. So they were out. That's I'm glad like it would have been it would have been the Beatles show if the Beatles came up and played this thing. Yeah. It's better off they didn't yeah. play it, you know. The monkeys. So that the, the, awesome. monkeys, that the monkeys asked to play they said and John no. Phillips said no. I can understand that. So Peter Tork and Mickey Dolans were there. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. But they, TV but they, show, but they let Peter Tork introduce bands. Yeah, well, that's nice of them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Peter Tork was the most hippie child out. He of was. Them. Yeah, and they were like really super popular. Probably they were pop- huge. They were probably more popular than anybody like mm-hmm. on that stage at that time. Yeah. They were huge. Yeah, Curtis Mayfield was supposed to play. That would have been awesome. And yeah. he he backed out. Uh, Dylan. So Bob Dylan yeah, was good luck with that shit. Well, so he was he was recovering from his motorcycle accident. Yeah. So yeah. he wouldn't play. And they said that Hendrix played like a Rolling Stone In as honor. a tribute. Yeah. Mm. Motown we talked about, so Barry yeah, Gordon wouldn't like, allow them. Yeah. Nobody's getting paid. Well, guess what? No Motown showing up. The Rascals were invited and they had a scheduling conflict. Dion Warwick. Oh so, really? The rock and roll hall of fame. So Dion Warwick. If you find early posters advertising this, she's listed as performing. And I said that when John Phillips in the video at the beginning goes like, Hey Michelle, will you take this phone call? Uh, it's Dion Warwick right, on the other phone. The psychic friends trying to say I can't make it. <laughs> You gotta talk to the second friend network. I was Play Monterey, it. damn I was it. Like, she had like another gig at the same time and she was gonna bail out and the other gig was like, Well, we're gonna hold you accountable yeah, for like no, the, sure. all the, yeah, yeah, the contract. Cost. Yeah. Um Man, the, I'm glad she didn't play. Yeah. I was she like, sucks. What the hell? 
That's what friends are for. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> the doors. Yeah. Good luck with yeah, that. Good luck with that too. So yeah. the promoters said that they just forgot to invite them. Which that yeah. that's yeah, okay. shit. Dude, yeah. they, that can you imagine Janice and Jim at the same fucking? I'm place? sure. I'm sure. At one it, time they it, did. They it'd be did. like a fucking. They're like an demolition dirt. Yeah. <laughs> John, John Densmore said that they weren't invited because their music was too dark for all the vibes that were going on. But that's like going back to Steph, as Jefferson Airplane, like White, White Rabbit. You know, the Doors could have played that show. Yeah. Like yeah, Jim going up there, this is the end. There was a, there was that other festival that was like a week before this. I mm. forget what it was called, but the Doors played at that. So it's right. like, you know, they're, they're around. So I got, I got four more. All of these uh, – oh, no, wait. Cream was invited. Hmm. Uh, well, Clapton says they were invited. John Phillips said we never invited him. I can't get, uh, yeah. Whatever. It could be Clapton's ego, whatever. So now I got three other bands that were invited, but they had to bail out because they couldn't get visas because of drug issues. Uh. Donovan was supposed to come. <laughs> Donovan? Donovan couldn't come because he, he, yeah. he got busted for drugs. No kidding. The Kinks yeah, were invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Stones. So yeah. the Stones, that was like the Jagger, Richards got busted and they couldn't yeah. get visas to get into the country. So. But you know, though, you, like if, if again, if like it's like the Beatles show, if the Stones showed up, it would have been a different thing. Yeah, yeah. everybody would have just been like that instead of you know um, discovering Jimi yeah. Hendrix, yeah. discovering Janis Joplin. It was more yeah. discovering Otis Redding. Yeah, yeah. The history show is more important for them not to be there. Yeah, so I mean, these acts could move like be discovered. But in like in hindsight, you look at all these like enormous bands that played here. Like I, I shared one of the posters on our Facebook last night, and you're like, "Damn!" Like, dude, mm. six bucks to go see them. Yeah. But you also have like the biggest acts in music: the Beatles, the Stones, the Doors, Dylan. They're not none of them are none there. Of them are there. Yeah, and they, they all have their different excuses. But it's like you're right. But it opened the door to yeah because it, it would have. If the Beatles were there, it yeah. would have overshadowed it. Like, if the Beatles or the Stones would play there, I don't think the, the Dead would have showed up and played. Because it would turn into this completely marketed... They didn't even want to be in the movie. Yeah. They, yeah. This, this, this completely over-marketed thing, you know, it, it like would have been something different. It would have been yeah. something different. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. They wanted to do another one the next year, and the town of Monterey was like, no. no. Oh, well, Thanks no. for coming, but <laughs> see it. Yeah. Which was weird, because also, like, not a single person got arrested. Nobody died. You know, like it was a relatively for that many people, like it was maybe, there were no problems. Maybe it was like the afterlash. Maybe like, oh, Monterey's a happening city. Like for the hippie maybe, movement. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So everybody small town flocking yeah. into that and just like, holy shit, we have a mess down here. Yeah. Well, you know what though? Then you get then you get to Woodstock. Now the town of Woodstock totally embraced it. Not at, at first. At, not at first, but as it as it going on that day, like those days, yeah. people are like, no, they're, they're they just kids. That. I gotta feed these kids. Yeah, but my, after kid, Woodstock, they're like, never fucking do this again. Yeah, because it completely it took was over. a fucking disaster. Like it was disaster. A disaster. It, was. It, was, it was. It was a disaster. It like was. it rained. People it, snuck in. They made yeah. a lot of money off a movie, but um, you know. Yeah, this was I better than Woodstock. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I think it was way too. better than Woodstock. Woodstock looked like a shit show and mud, and this looked like a nice little, you know, Renaissance fair. But more people showed up at Woodstock than this thing. Yeah, because the the tickets. Yeah. I think I think the success from Monterey. Yeah. was going to be like, oh shit, this is going to be the Woodstock's going to be the next Monterey. We have to we go. have to go. Okay, we're going to miss this. This is where Hendrix came from. This yeah, we, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, this show then sets the stage where other people start making music festivals. Mm. Yeah. Is that it? We, we we good on Monterey? Monterey was a great concert, a great vibe. There's some just great everything going on. I wish I was there. Yeah. And they never did anything like that again. 
I think it was a one-time thing only. Just like when Woodstock tried to do it again. It but never, they didn't do like, yeah. a, like a 50-year anniversary they did, or they, they, years. Or, they they, they did, couldn't get people to sign a thing for a movie then. I, I mean, now? I, I mean like recent like, – like in the in, – There's a box like, set out. Yeah. But they never tried to do like another show. There was. There was a 50-year anniversary show and it was like Gary Clark Jr., Hart. Uh, Phil Lesh and a bunch of other bands. Uh, Nora Jones all all played. Jack Johnson played. That's a great lineup. Yeah, yeah it was pretty show. cool. Yeah. I don't remember what the tickets are, but I mean, you could never do something like this again, right? No. Between like no. you could never capture that VIP packages yeah. and yeah. all that other yeah, it's stuff. Completely over commercialized and and in that era is over. I mean, yeah. it's like it's as hard you want to to copy it, to bring it back, to revise it. And it's that's over. I feel, yeah, and I feel like a lot of like with Get, the Woodstock thing, they were supposed to do that last year or two years ago, and it totally flopped. After yeah. ninety nine, the one that we when they burned everything down, but they tried to do it again, but no t- no city was signed up on it, and it, they tried their hardest. And you just read about it, and I thought this thing was a joke as soon as it started. The, yeah. like, like Ryan said, you're never going to capture that that feeling again. In the summer of love, man, it was like it was so commercialized by. The summer of love. Because you start getting people nine. start going to San Francisco. The tour buses are yeah. taking you around. Yeah, so look at the hippies. hippies. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you got like uh Robert Kennedy dies, Martin yeah. Luther King dies. The world changed. Yeah. Right. Weed and LSD turns into heroin and yeah. cocaine, and it's just uh yeah. I don't the, know. The whole vibe, the whole scene just died. Yeah. Even the Grateful Dead moved out of their house. Yeah. Out of Hate Ashbury. They, they, they got out and they moved to the to the, to the country. But then yeah. you get down to that that stone show in sixty nine. Right, that's what it evolved into. Yeah, you know, yeah, Altamont, right? Yeah, that's where yeah. the the health Altamont, angels. Yeah. Yep. Everybody tried to copy it, but it became yeah. a disaster. Everyone was a yeah. disaster. Yeah. Woodstock was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, they said they always said like that 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 movie came out, they would have never made any the money. Soundtrack, this the movie. Yeah, that's how they made money. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. You know what, man? As we were doing this research. I was really enjoying it because it is it is like a happier time. You know, yeah. in the world, a lot of stuff in the world sucks yeah. right yeah. now. And I was like, just that kind of vibe. I just, I was enjoying just like watching the people enjoying themselves, like in the documentary, like yeah. just listening to the music. It just and, seemed like it was a great weekend. Yeah. And, and just a hearing a moment in time that everybody chilled out and some great music. Yeah. And trying to put yourself in the perspective. Imagine you're seeing, like, you're, you're hearing Janice for the first time, or you're seeing, you know, that picture of Mama Cass when the camera goes in her mouth just a gape and she's mm. just like holy shit just blown away yeah it was like just uh i, I just enjoyed it man it just felt it just it's it's made me long for happier days well hey, definitely get dead tickets to summer i really want to go to a dead show you man i yeah. think it'd be like a really All good right. time maybe not the citizen bank park maybe like a, a more they're intimate playing, setting yeah. they're you actually know. they're actually playing woodstock like let's go, like, like in New York. Bethel, what's Bethel, Bethel, New, York? New York? Really? Let's go. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I, yeah. yeah, I really would because it's on a Monday. <laughs> let's go. No, even better. Are we good? Do you want to move on to listener feedback? Sure. I got I got a little bit of listener feedback. So circling back to our episode on shock rock. So thank you to the person who sent me a picture of Seth Putnam. Uh, she he was the singer for Anal Cunt. So thank you for the person who sent me a picture of this guy naked in front of a Marshall stack. Uh, he was shooting heroin with a guitar cable around his neck while a hooker was uh, giving him oral sex. You didn't post this on Facebook. I, I you did. showed it to me. You I didn't see yeah, this. I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm good though. I don't need to yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, 
And then they also sent a picture of him doing a line of cocaine off of a hooker's ass. So, Well, who hasn't done that? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, surprised that that guy died of a heart attack in 2011. Um, I said when we were talking about his, his terrible music that I deserved a purple heart for listening to his music. <laughs> and now I've managed to hurt my eyes just as wow. much. So thank you for that. We have um, the nicest listeners. It's the greatest stuff. Yeah, it's you know? amazing. So um, uh, Keith Allen Kelly uh, yes, sent us Keith. a... Sent us a picture of one of the Prisoners of Rock and Roll stickers out in the wild he put up somewhere. Yeah. So I really, you know, thank you, dude. And uh, anybody else is putting the stickers out anywhere. We'd love to see the pictures of them up, up uh, out in the wild, man. Really cool. Um, you know, and if you want to spread the good word with some stickers, just reach out to us, man. And we, we'll, we'll mail you a couple. Totally. So the electric chair. Yes. Time for the electric chair. We need like an intro song for the, the electric chair. Like, dun, dun, dun. Okay, we can do that. The electric chair is sponsored by our really good friends at Lunacy Brewing Company. They are located at 500 West Kings Highway in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. You can check them out on social media or at lunacybrewing.com. We got to get over there one night. Oh, yeah. yeah. They have great like trivia night music. So they have night. music trivia night. We yeah. either go and kick the shit out of everybody or horribly <laughs> they, embarrass ourselves. <laughs> they don't have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> We'll go rolling in there. So the electric chair is where we sentence a song to death because it's terrible. Ryan, it, it is your turn. I, wow. I can't wait to hear this one. Um, me and Bruce were hanging at Bruce's house. and With um, the chickens? With the chickens. It was awesome. We were listening to some country music, and all of a sudden, the cover version of Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts came on. And I was like, you know what? The lead singer of Rascal Flatts is definitely the smash mouth of country music. <laughs> Let's play it. This song's been played 298 million streams on Spotify. Yeah, it was in the Cars movie. Yeah. Dude, fuck this song. <laughs> <laughs> the original song, yes. I'll get down with that guy really? all the time. Yeah, the original song is a fucking the anthem. Tom, Tom Cochran yeah, or whatever. great yeah. song. Great. But this fucking... Uh, trash mouth or smash, <laughs> smash, mouth, smash mouth, mouth fucking lead singer. He's got uh, that dyed blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah, when you when you said that they're the Smash Mouth of country music band, I I was lost my crap. Listen, to these fucking sucks. <laughs> this, but it's in, Tom made a lot of money off this song. Tom, wherever his name yeah, is, Tom Cocker. He made a lot of money because this was in that Cars movie. Like, oh, he's he's got a that, lot he got of that, things. Yeah. Commercials. Got that yeah. Disney movie. Yeah, Disney money. This guy, yeah, and they made this a huge commercial. It was yeah. on a, like a car commercial. Sure. Listen to the hook. It's awful. Kill it. Now fucking kill it. <laughs> we sentence you to death. Fuck you. <laughs> not not going to ride that highway all night long. No, we're doing the world a favor. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to go back and put together like a list of all the stuff. We should, we should get like a like a Photoshop, like a tombstone with all the songs oh, that we keep putting them on there. It's funny. Epic. epic. So, that's Monterey Pop Festival, everybody. Thank you so much for checking us out. I mean, if you like what you hear, please hit the follow button on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you check us out. You know, consider leaving us a review and tell your friend, your fellow rock and rollers about us. We'll mail them some stickers, too. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're online at prisonersofrockandroll.com. You can check us. You can also email us at prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. So we only play 30 seconds of the songs uh, during the show. But if you want to hear more of the music, we have already done the work for you. 
So we put together a playlist of each episode uh, on Apple Music and Spotify. They have all the songs that we talked about as well as some stuff we couldn't get to. S- huge shout out to music man Mike Cianci helping us put those together. A lot of the stuff, Ryan, so you put together the playlist, man. You went through like song by song. Yeah, and- I, I went from artist to artist the the way they scheduled it in Monterey. So you could start and have your own Monterey with Act 1. Yeah, just you can go through it. I mean, a lot of the stuff isn't on Spotify, but we, no. you know, we did what we could. I, some I other did what live I, versions. And- I did what I could to give you the most festival experience that I can give you sitting at home. Good stuff, and a lot of it's on YouTube, man. I said, go, go look at Hendrix. Go watch him. Go watch Janice. Go watch, watch Otis. Watch the uh, if you could find the documentary on any Monterey thing. Yeah, the movie, it. the movie, the movie's it's out still there. Out. Yep. So there's so much stuff. Enjoy it. Really, really cool. And finally, thanks to our friends at the Pantheon Podcast Network for letting us be a part of the family. So we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. We got to circle up and figure out what we're going to talk about next. And we got a we got a long list somewhere we can we can revisit. So all right, all right, all right. We'll talk to everybody in two weeks. Keep on rocking. Peace out. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.